This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? One last ride in Maui, the Monty Show, live in Hui, Hui, Hui. Uh, can you believe it's over already? It's over already. We have been here for almost two weeks solid. After the show, we hop on a bird and we uh, head back. Like we're going, we're going to, we're it's, tough. it's, it's you Utah. Know. Yeah. Can you believe that? We'll be back in the great state of Utah um, in about 24 hours from now, if you can believe that. So uh, looking forward to getting home. We will be live on Friday morning. Uh, We'll have Football Friday for you with all of our locks, all of our picks. We'll talk a lot of BYU in Oregon, uh, Utah, and San Diego State, of course, the NFL. We've got all that for you on Friday. But today, 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 we have a lot of uh, BYU for you. Obviously, Harris LaChance is going to join the show uh, as he does every Wednesday. Um, And by the way, everybody's been asking, hey, hey, man. Hey, guys. Uh, Hey, guys. Are you guys going to keep doing the show at this time? No, we're not. Uh, we'll be back at uh, 6.30 on Monday morning uh, for you. So we're looking, or I guess on Friday we'll do the show mm-hmm. at 6.30. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be back Friday morning at 6.30. All that will be good. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that today on the show. Uh, we'll start looking at BYU and Oregon because it's interesting. The line is creeping up in favor of Oregon. Mm-hmm. So more, you know, I would I would think more money's coming in on Oregon. That line was three, three and a half. It's now in some places, Oregon is favored by four points. Mm-hmm. I, on the surface, I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what you have to understand is that there's, so this whole concept of, you know, the home team is going to get three points, you know, just right out the gate. So when I look at the, the, the points and, you know, where it's coming in, being three and a half or, you know, in some places four, to me just isn't, it, it, I don't think it's that much disrespect to BYU. They're essentially you saying, no, nah, because they're essentially saying that Oregon is one point better than BYU. That That's essentially what they're saying with that line. So to me, I, I mean, certainly BYU on the road in, in Eugene, they're not going to be favored. That's just not going to happen. So I think it's a perfectly respectable line. Yeah, I don't know about all that. What I, what I say about this, and what I've always said about this, is that I think the boys in Vegas rarely get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at lines, obviously lines are created to make people spend money, to bet on games, totally get that. But at the end of the day, when you look at the lines and you look how close the final score is, the numbers are pretty close. I personally believe BYU is going to go up and they're going to win a, cl- a close game. Um, I think it's ridiculous that the 12th team in the country is a four-point dog. Even if they're on the road, I think it's ridiculous that they're a four-point dog to the 25th team in the country. Yeah, I mean, again, and this is the conversation we've been having throughout the week, like how much does the AP matter? How much do rankings matter? And so, you know, when I, I, like for me personally, you know, when I'm getting ready to talk about these matchups and everything, I don't really take into account, you know, the 2015, the 12th team, the 20th team, like the ranking to me. You don't. No, because the ranking to me doesn't matter as much as the storyline of the season. And, And what a lot of people are saying about Oregon right now is, yeah, in week one, you got absolutely boat raced by Georgia. You know, this past week, you had a nice 70-point performance against a nobody. 
you know, and so th- this week against BYU, people kind of feel like, hey, this is sort of the get back game opportunity for Oregon. And that's why I think there's money coming in on Oregon because people feel like, hey, you know, they had a nice little showing against, you know, a nobody. And now they're going to come out against BYU. But I don't necessarily even agree with that. Wow. I see. I totally disagree. <clears throat> I think without question. When I'm picking games, I look at where they're ranked. I look at how they played. Like, the thing with Oregon is, what if what have we seen from Oregon that's at all impressive this year? Mm-hmm. I mean, e- even, like, Eastern Washington Technical Cooking School was not an impressive win. Mm-hmm. Like, that does not impress me. That does not move me at all. I think Bo Nix was an average-ass quarterback last year when he was at Auburn. Facts. I think... Uh, Bo Nix is an average-ass quarterback. Now that he's wearing the Ducks uniform, mm-hmm. like I just think he's part of the problem. They're not talented at wide receiver, certainly not as talented as BYU. Um, I think they're going to struggle to stop the run and to run the ball. Like I, I just don't see a lot of matchups in this Oregon game with BYU that go to Oregon. And I see a, a BYU team that went into very difficult conditions in, in Tampa and handily beat South Florida, Mm -hmm. even with all the delays, even with every reason in the world not to play well. They played very well. They came home. They handled a very, very good Baylor team. Like You have every reason in the world to believe that BYU is ready to play this game, and I don't see a whole lot of ways that Oregon has prepared or is ready to win this game. Yeah, from a football perspective, I, I completely agree. I think, But I think what's happening, and, and again, this is what usually happens to BYU, if I'm being honest. The, the PR machine or the storytelling that happens about Oregon always seems to point or, or to paint Oregon in a very favorable way. And so, again, what I think is happening right now is people are saying, hey, Oregon is, is a team that we know last year was really good, and this year should also have been pretty good, but they've struggled early. So I think the feeling is, when will they get back on track? Now, I'm with you. I think that BYU has a great chance to win this game. I completely agree. I think BYU's defense is going to come out. Hello, hello, um, hello. Um, BYU's defense is going to come out. They're going to stop the run. I think Max Tooley has another big game, another double-digit tackle game, and I think that BYU controls this game uh, or in controls the clock, but you can't have what you can't have in this game is any type of turnover from Jaron or any type of silly giveaways. I think if, if you start turning the football over in this game, you're asking for trouble, but if you play your game, if you execute and you do what you've been doing, BYU is going to be just fine in this game. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, think, I think that there is a perception versus reality issue for BYU. Um, I think the brand at Oregon is really strong. And to me, I think that's why you're looking at a situation where I think BYU is not getting the respect they deserve. I understand it's Oregon. I understand it's Phil Knight begging for a place in the Big Ten. (laughs) I totally get that. I just don't think that that should, I just don't think that that should play a major role here. And I think it is. Um, and I disagree with it. All right, let's get some of your thoughts in here because a lot of people are asking about the Saturday event. Yes, yes. Jesse Harsh says, how many people will be at barbecue uh, pit stop on Saturday? Remember that Saturday, we are announcing the winner uh, of the BYU-Notre Dame drive away to see BYU and Notre Dame in Las Vegas. Um and uh, it's been an avalanche of entries. I mean, there's. The, I, I am sh- humbly shocked. I am humbly shocked at how many people have entered this contest, have asked about the contest, have gone to Barbecue Pit Stop. 
Um, it has been remarkable. So we probably had, you know, because we put entry boxes in all these locations. Obviously, we've been telling you to go into the different locations. We probably had, I don't know, between 50 to 100 entry forms per entry box at each location. And there's like three of the locations that are like, yeah, we had to stop taking entries because we're overwhelmed. So, I mean, that kind of puts into perspective how yeah. many people have entered to win these tickets. And I do think quite a few people are going to show up. And I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh on Saturday. Uh, we're going to do our football Saturday show. They're starting at noon. The BYU-Oregon game kicks off at 1.30 on Fox. We'll watch that game. We're going to have a dozen pizzas from uh, Papa Murphy's. Uh, we are going to have wings from Don's Meat. Uh, he is, you know, Don is, is somebody that we've done business with for several years. Um, that's where we get our wings. So Don's going to kick in some wings for us. We're going to have a couple of Traeger smokers there. We're going to smoke the pizzas, smoke the wings. By the way, our own personal pizza recipe will be at this event. The barbecue yeah. sauce, what yeah. we tell you, so you're going to be able to try it. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Join us at Barbecue Pit Stop Saturday in Lehigh. It is going to be a great time. And then at halftime, We'll take all of those entries from all of the different barbecue pit stops and we're going to have them in a little hopper. We'll shake it up and we'll pull one winner and we're going to send somebody to Las Vegas to see BYU uh, take on Notre Dame in the Shamrock Series. Yeah, you get two nights at the Palms Casino Resort. Uh, you get two tickets to the game and a $250 gas card to get you there. Uh, and it is all presented uh, by our good friends at Barbecue Pit Stop. Make sure um, that you... And if you want to enter and you haven't entered yet, it's going to be tough to do that. I'll be honest with you. But you can ask them on their website, barbecuepitstop.com. Uh, you see it on the screen there. Uh, they have a little chat feature. Uh, if you show up um, on Saturday before kickoff, show up before kickoff during the uh, uh, football Saturday show, we'll have a box on the table for you before kickoff. Because mm -hmm. once it kicks off, that's it. Contest is closed. Uh, but I know a lot of people procrastinated, and I warned you about this. <laughs> Don't procrastinate. Get to Barbecue Pit Stop and get that filled out. But I know there's a lot of people who went in, you know, for instance, the Barbecue Pit Stop in Murray uh, was just getting so much interest in it that they had to take the box down. Um, you know, like just, it was, it's crazy. So that's going to be Saturday. No be there by noon. Mm -hmm. If you get there noon or later, I mean, that's cool. But I would tell you, be there at noon. Um, if you're there and you want to talk some football, we might even put you on the show. It's yeah. going to be a blast. We're going to have a really good time. Barbecue Pit Stop, Lehigh, Saturday at noon. We're going to start our show. Um, I know guys like Gabe Ledley are, are flying in from Phoenix. They're flying in from other markets. You Let's know, go. Uh, Greg Hawkins says he's going to be there. So when the question's asked, uh, how many people are going to be there? I really have no idea. Are we clear on I, that? I, I do not know. Um, you know, how that's going to happen. Karen Montemayor joins the show. Okay, Karen. Can Karen. we enter at the event on Saturday? Yes, as I said, we'll put a box on the table, um, but you have to be there before 1.30 kickoff. Mm -hmm. If you are not entered in the contest it, it now, the only way to enter is to show up at Barbecue Pit Stop on Saturday in Lehigh from noon to essentially 1 o'clock. I'll have a box on our table and you can enter to win there, but that's really it. That is really it. Isaac Aguiar says we need some jazz talk. That's coming up uh, in about 50 minutes. Harris Lachance, the uh, BYU offensive lineman, will join us uh, coming up here at 1030. And then at 11 o'clock, we will uh, do an entire hour of jazz uh, 
Isaac, so stick around Don't for worry, that. Don't worry, we are ready. Uh, Jake Gordon uh, says, I'd love to talk football with you guys. Show up on Saturday, Let's Jake. Do it, man. And, and Let's do uh, it. We'll absolutely do that. Uh, Lopes Fan Gabe says, Saturday can't come quick enough. Let's go, casuals. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time. Um, let's see. Uh, Jesse Harsh. Let's go, boys. What's the biggest difference between Jaron and Cam when it comes to quarterback? Who's better? And is there a talent gap? I think Jaron, no knock on Cam. Well, it's funny because uh, we talked about that exact thing before the, the show today. pre-show meeting. Yeah, you know, uh, is Jaron Hall the best quarterback in Utah? I think that's really close. I'm a huge fan of Cam Rising. I think his leadership, his experience, um, I think absolutely the things that he does for this football team at Utah – um, there's a lot of intangibles, leadership on the field, off the field. Mm -hmm. But Jaron Hall this year is very clearly not the same quarterback he's been uh, during his time at BYU. One, he, he knock on wood, is healthy. Um, two, I just think his, his, his play on the field has significantly improved. I think his reads, there's still some judgment things I'd love to see him clean up. Um, but his reads, his pre-snap work is much better this year, I think, than it was last year. Um, I think his ability to, to work in play action and to create space for his receivers by moving the pocket, um, I think has, has risen exponentially. You can see his chemistry and leadership with his re wide receiver room um, was very evident with Chase Roberts. I think there's no doubt about that. Like, Jaron Hall has taken a significant step forward. A year ago, Cam Rising was by far the best quarterback in the state. Mm -hmm. I think now Jaron Hall is the better quarterback of the two. Um, I think we're going to see what happens when this club runs into some adversity. I think that's going to be a huge question mark as to, you know, hey, what's, what's this going to look like uh, when they lose a game? I mean, what's going to happen if they, if they lose um, to Oregon this weekend? Mm -hmm. What does Jaron Hall do as a leader? That, that's where we're going to find out who he is. But, yeah, I mean, if we're comparing apples to apples, I think Jaron Hall's a better quarterback right now than, than Cam Rising, Jake. Yeah, and I think last year the biggest hole in Jaron's game was having touch in the different ways you have to throw the football. I, I think Jaron last year felt the need to, at times, push the envelope in the run game because he wasn't as proficient of a passer as he is now. And I think against Baylor, you really saw him make every throw. I mean, whether it was a throw that needed more air under it and more touch and kind of put it in the breadbasket type throw or one that needed to be uh, a fastball, you know, to get it into a tight window. I think Jaron, the development in the passing game to me is what's really allowed him to take the next step. That said, I think it's really close, mainly because Cam Rising has the experience on his side. I think Cam... Obviously, with the Rose Bowl and everything that went down with that, like I think you, you, there's just no you know value you can put on that type of experience. Sure. So to me, my 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 opinion is who's better. Let's say I think I'd probably take Jaron right now because of the athleticism on top of the development in the passing game. But I think it's nitpicking at best. Yeah, I I don't know that one's better than the other. I I I think it I think that's very close. Karen Montemayor says, "Can you guys please come back to Utah? The state is not the same without you." Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. We have a we're we're coming home today. Um, this is our last show on the road, and then Friday we'll be back in studio uh, and ready to go. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get home. I, you know what the funny thing is? I actually miss my dogs. Yeah. The the thing I miss most over the last two weeks, um, and it has been just about a full two weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, I miss my dogs. It's crazy. Like it, you, they're they're at a little dog retreat. Mm -hmm. if you will a little doggy hotel uh yeah and they send us pictures every day of them playing and 
It, it doesn't help. It makes me you miss know. my dogs more. Cody Strickland says, uh, hey, guys, what kind of pizza will you guys uh, be having? Artichoke and chicken? Well, uh, we told Papa Murphy's to give us a variety of different pizzas. So we're gonna, there's going to be a lot of different options. I can't 100% confirm if we'll have an artichoke chicken one. Yeah, it's 12 large pizzas, yeah. though. Yeah, I mean, it's that's 12 a, large pizzas. There's that's a, there's a, lot of, be a lot. That's a lot of pizza. Good morning, Gabe Rashmussen. What's up with you? Uh, Neville93 says, good morning, lads. We miss you guys back here in Utah. See you uh, tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> can BYU, Zayman says, can BYU play great defense against this duck speed? I don't necessarily believe that the Ducks have – the Ducks are fast, but they don't have – you know, like route running is something that's vastly underrated in college football, the importance of running a good route. Like the wide receiver room at Oregon is not deep. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that we're seeing is this BYU secondary is vastly improved. There's a lot more ability and talent in that BYU secondary now that we've seen over the last couple of years. And there's clearly – been developmental time effort uh, like a program that's growing at BYU um, and if you follow me on Twitter the Monty show M-O-N-T-Y the Monty show they got another commitment this morning uh, from a kid in uh, Fort Collins Colorado um, like they're just winning the recruiting war right now like BYU is recruiting at a very high level but they're also developing that talent so mm -hmm. when you look at Oregon Oregon's always going to be talented they're always going to be fast because they're Oregon I just think that they are, there is a vacuum of development there right now. Yeah. And I think BYU is catching them at the right time. By the way, one of the things I think is so interesting about this game is it's not a home-at-home. -home. It's a, it's a one-stop shop. So BYU going to Eugene to play at Autzen against Oregon, they're also getting $1.1 million worth of a paycheck in this game because, yeah... Well, there, there's not a, uh, there's not a, um, there's not a return date. Yeah. So this is not only a really important game on the field. This is a game of financial consequence for BYU. So this is a huge weekend for BYU. This game is really, really important. I think credibility-wise, I mean, we saw the Big Twelve, uh, you know, tweeting about BYU. We saw the fact that BYU uh, and Baylor was the most watched nighttime slot game, late night slot game for ESPN since 2016. It's a big deal, man. This is a big, big deal. BYU is, you know, how do, how do I say it? BYU is a major program. BYU has the most momentum that I think they've had since I've been covering this team, and that's 2013. So going on almost 10 seasons, I've never seen – this BYU product have more momentum than it has now, whether that be financial, whether that be, I mean, again, you look at the Oregon game, you look at the money in that game, you look mm -hmm. at the Baylor game, the ratings on that game, like the, the fans that showed up in Tampa, you look at the momentum of this team going into the big 12. That's why this season is so important. And I know I've, I've talked this into the ground, but BYU cannot look past this year. What's going on this season is just so critical. And I'll ask Harris this uh, coming up here in about 10 minutes. Harris Lachance will join us on the show as he does every Wednesday, presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. But you, you look at what this team has right now, and I, I don't think you can use any other word um, but momentum because they're just so, in my mind, they're just 
doing so well. They're winning big games. They're yes. winning big recruits. They're making good money. Tons of people are watching. They're just flat out executing. Like I mean, in every facet of the program. It's remarkable to have the biggest audience in a late night window on ESPN since 2016. Yeah. That's Pac-12 after dark. And you put BYU on TV, people are going to watch. That's the amazing thing. And I, I just think when you look at everything that's going on with BYU, it's awfully difficult to overlook the fact that, I mean, this program right now is dominating. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the viewership, from a viewership standpoint, I think it's hugely important in the time we're in with college football expansion and yes. you know, the, thing, the, the Big 12 conversation about them adding teams and like everything that's going on. It is really, really important right now to continue to send that message through numbers that BYU does have that fan base, that BYU can pull big numbers in primetime slots. And I would remind you, I, I th this is a, a, a 130 kick. I mean, that is a good window to be in this this. That's this a primetime Saturday window. Yeah, and so to me, I just look at the schedule. And again, I, I know before, before the season started, before they went out to Florida and, and played in that messy-ass game, we were all talking about, hey, this is a really difficult schedule, difficult schedule. But I have to say, I feel like Kalani has this program grounded right now in a very good place mentally. They're worried about executing and not the fact that they want a double overtime game. Like, it's just crazy. Like, if you watch the media availabilities or players talking, they all are very much in line and ready to go. And, yes. I, and I think that is why the program is executing. That is why the program is in a better place. And that's ultimately why you're you're climbing the, the this ranks. This is why. This is why. Exactly right. The Monty Show is presented by the Advocates Utah Injury Attorneys, utahadvocates.com. Make sure you check them out online. And listen, I think that the, the name says it all. The Utah Advocates are your advocate. When you've been in a car accident or you're injured, you're not your best self. Maybe you're not thinking the way you need to be thinking. That's why you go to utahadvocates.com. And the best part is it, it costs you no money out of pocket. The last thing you need to be doing when you've had a major motorcycle accident or major car wreck is to be reaching into your pocket, spending money that maybe you don't have. Well, the Utah Advocates are going to help you with that too. They're going to defer your medical bills. They're not going to charge you for your consultation. So many injury attorneys want to get into your pocket the minute that you, you reach out to them. That's not the case at the Advocates. They know your health is paramount. You need somebody to fight for you. That's why you go to the Advocates. Free, no-cost consultation. Then the best part is you don't pay the Advocates unless and until they win your case. That's right. They're so confident in their ability to help you get what you deserve to make you whole again that at the Advocates, you don't go into your pocket unless and until they win their case. Hook it up right now. UtahAdvocates.com. Proudly presenting the Monty Show. We appreciate Matt Driggs and all the guys uh, at uh, the Advocates. They're a great firm. I've known the guys at the Advocates since 2013. Uh, we were partners back at the old 1320K fans. So great to have them right here back on the Monty Show. The biggest stories in sports this morning. I think obviously this situation with uh, the Utah Jazz. Don't forget coming up on about 40 minutes, we're going to switch gears and talk about the Jazz press conference yesterday uh, or really two days ago, the interview that Craig Bowlerjack did with Danny Ainge. Like All of these things around the Jazz and I just don't know where the Jazz are headed and why they've made a couple of decisions they've made. It's very interesting the wording that you're going to hear from Danny Ainge 
is really critical. We'll have some of that for you coming up uh, at about 11 o'clock right here on the Monte Show. Harris Lachance coming up in about six minutes uh, as we get you ready for BYU and uh, Oregon. Don't forget, by the way, Utah and San Diego State. Huge um, game. That's a huge game as huge well. Game. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that from here on out, after what is now, I think everybody agrees, a terrible loss at Florida. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for Utah to put their foot in the ground and, and, and go in a certain direction. They have got to win and win convincingly, in my opinion, over San Diego State because you didn't fall as far as I think people thought you would fall. What are they, 14th at this mm-hmm. point? I'm a little surprised that they didn't fall out of the top 15. I think that's a huge, huge win for Utah. And speaking of respect, I think that's a huge tip of the cap to Utah, Jake, because when you're 14th in the country – um, and you're a 21-point home favored. <laughs> yeah. Utah's favored yeah. by yeah. 21 points over San Diego State. Yeah. they got to come out and execute. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that the story of this season so far has been this Florida loss. I mean, we, yeah, like everyone is still talking about it, and I think it's really – you know, it's a it's obviously an unfortunate situation. You know, I, I I just think everyone agrees that you should have beat Florida, and the and the fact is is that's behind you now, and now you have a job to do. And and I and I know that that this is very cliche, it's very coach talk, but I really do feel like you know Utah and that program and Kyle Whittingham and Cam Rising and everyone who's a part of that. You know, your Devon Bailey's of the world. You got to go out and do your damn job every week. You got to go out and execute. You talk about route running. Route running is paramount right now. Utah does not have that game-breaking wide receiver right now. I mean, as much as I love Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keithy, they're not enough just on their own to really make that difference and take you to that next level. And so to me, I think Utah really has to come up with a good game plan this week on how exactly they're going to get Vele more involved how is it is it a thing where he's just got to run the route better is it a thing where a defensive scheme kind of held him down last week that's what I'm really curious about and I think that Utah yeah as you said obviously needs to come out and win this game convincingly but but I think in the bigger picture Utah understands that there's still expectations like would anyone be surprised based on what you did last year if you got to a bowl game this year like a significant you know, Rose Bowl level bowl game this year, I don't think anyone would be surprised. But it just feels like when you lose that early and you're asking yourself to go undefeated for so long that that's a big ask. Yeah, I, I agree. And and it's interesting um, to see some of the comments. I agree with Isaac Aguiar, who says Utah needs re- uh, Ws. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely yes. got to have Ws. There's no yes. doubt about that. And I will also say, you mentioned Devon Vele. I think he's a huge figure in this season. I mean, I think we're seeing what we thought we would get out of Keithy and Kincaid. I think they've absolutely lived up to the bill. I think Cam's lived up to the billing. The offensive line, I think, has been better. I mean, you really want to see good linebacker play this weekend. I really want to see Devon Bailey have a, you know, a six-catch, 100-yard game. Yes. That would be a huge breakout performance for him as we head for conference play. You know, as we get closer and closer to October, the games are more and more meaningful, and, and you just don't have room for error anymore. And if you look at the momentum we talked about a few minutes ago with BYU and you're, you're beating South Florida, you're beating Baylor, you're going to Autzen, you know, like you have these big games and now you've got Arkansas and Notre Dame coming up and Utah is on the verge of, you know, losing that momentum. You lose this game to San Diego State and it almost puts the brakes on your season. Yeah. And that's why I just think it's not an option. And when I look at what San Diego State is – 
they're never going to be an easy opponent. Mm -hmm. They're just not. Not the way that not the way that San Diego State is built right now. And I think when you look at Utah, this is an experienced team with a lot of good leadership that now has to go out and execute. This is week three. At this point, you should know who you are as an offense. You should be comfortable in your playbook. You should yeah, like th this is this is now repetition, muscle memory. You shouldn't have to be thinking through execution mm -hmm. at this point now. And I think you're seeing that with BYU certainly, um, and I think you're going to see that with Utah this weekend. There is no reason to believe that Utah is going to come out. They need to cover that 21. Yeah. They need to come out and win convincingly, and I think they will do that. Because, again, I, I, I don't mean to be redundant. Momentum is king in this game. Yeah. We saw that with Utah last year. They made the switch at quarterback. Cam took over, and this team exploded forward. Mm -hmm. You've got to get that again because they're running the ball well. You need a wide receiver in that room to step up and take pride in the fact that he's the number one wide receiver. Devon Bailey's got all the tools to do that. The kid can run. He clearly is a... a a very good catcher of the football. Now he needs to display that, and he needs to display that. Do they cover the twenty-one? Yeah, I think they do. I think they come out and 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 they have a, a great week. And I and I and I know that that's a lofty thing to to expect or predict. But I I really just wouldn't be surprised if Utah came out and flexed on San Diego State. I think Utah's got size. I think Utah. Obviously, Wattavion Thomas can run the football, and I'd like to see better execution in the run game wow. against San Diego State. I think it was very lacking um, against Florida, and I, and I think that Utah always seems to thrive when they're able to, to play ground-and-pound football, and I think that that's where it starts this week. So if you see Utah roll out and, they, and they've got that run game going early, that's a great sign. But yeah, I think they do cover it. I would love to see them drop you know a 40 spot on San Diego State, but... But we'll see. I mean, obviously, they're going to need to do that if they cover the number. Yep. M. Morris says, uh, BYU always had a problem with depth. This year might be the deepest they've been. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, you look at you look at the offensive line. I think you look at the wide receivers at BYU. You look at what you got from Chase last week. That's exactly what quality depth is about because depth is not just having a bunch of dudes that can run track star numbers. If you don't have guys in the wide receiver room, especially – Look at look, when you're playing in Oregon or you're playing a Baylor. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to have guys who are wide receivers. You need football players that are wide receivers who can come in when you have two of your best wide receivers out that can run around and, frankly, make a catch on a dime piece from Jaron. And then if you look at Chase on that throwback, um, I mean, he makes a really good throwback. He puts, he puts Jaron in a position to win. Like, to me, that's depth. It's not good enough to have guys who can just play football. Mm -hmm. Depth requires quality football players that are good. BYU has not always had that. And I think when you look at these recruiting wins, BYU now has that kind of depth. And in my opinion, that's why you're seeing all of this momentum that we've talked about so often that BYU has. And it's it's just carried over from last year. And now you have a team that that is is really reaping the benefits of some really difficult times. Yes. And I think when you look at the offensive line, you look at the wide receivers, I, I'm just so impressed that the fact that you didn't have Puka Nakua 
and you didn't have Gunnar Romney, that's every reason not to throw the football. You, it was humid and it was hot and we're not supposed to sit around for what felt like 12 hours waiting to play football. Ah, let's just pack it in and lose a game. Mm -hmm. Well, they didn't do that. Yeah. And I think that quality is why you're seeing BYU is winning games now. That's the difference. To me, that's the key for momentum. Um, speaking of that throwback play, time to talk to Harris LaChance as we do every Wednesday. Now, Harris, I got to tell you um, that I saw you, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe that you outran Jaron Hall to the end zone. Who's faster, you or Jaron Hall? Uh, definitely me. Definitely me. <laughs> you know the best part about that, and one of the things I want to ask you about is, is that a complete play? If you are not hitting somebody at the goal line, do you feel as good about that play, or was it a nice little capper that you had some contact there at the end of the play? <laughs> uh, yeah, you gotta go. you got to go down and hit somebody for sure, so... When, when, especially when it's open like that, you got to go find some, go find some work, man, somewhere. Oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that that you found some work, if you will. How much did you guys worked on that play? As we talk BYU football with Harrison Chance, presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. How much did you guys work on that play? Oh, uh, we ran it a few times. When we called it, we were like, oh yeah, okay, hopefully this works. Here we go. <laughs> uh, and then, and then when yeah, when they threw it back, it was wide open. We're like, oh shit, this is gonna work, dude. This is wide open. Let's roll. And so it was fun, man. It was awesome. How many times in the O line room have you guys watched that play? Because it was a, it was a procession down the down the right hash. There, you guys were just running in mass. You look good. I got to tell you, man. For you, for big guys like. You guys look good, man. You look like you were comfortable running down the field. <laughs> well, you would too, Monty. If you saw that how open it was, you're like, all right, let's roll, man. It's ex <laughs> it's exciting. No, dude, for real. We watched that play probably like once, and we're like, it was like, okay, good job. On to the next. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's how it is. Like, all right. Well, you know, it's funny. Before you you popped on, we were talking about depth, and we were talking about obviously with with Puka Nakua being out and Gunnar Romney haven't seen the field yet. I mean, we're talking about a different for me, anyways. And I'm curious your thoughts. I feel like you guys not only have a bunch of guys that play football, but you have quality depth at skill positions, and perhaps we haven't always seen that at BYU. Can you guys feel that quality? Is there more confidence in everybody that's that's on that roster right now? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think we have a lot more talented guys these days, and uh, it's showing. And um, it really just, when you have a lot of talented guys in the same room, you know, it just lifts each other up more and makes each other better. So I think it's that's a great that's a great add-on. I mean, we've always had talent, but you're right, though. We have a lot of talent nowadays. It's good. Yeah, and I also think you guys have a lot of momentum right now. I, I, and I, I don't know that there's a way to necessarily quantify what momentum is, but it feels like you guys are really, every week, there's big moments. There's big plays. Like I said, I, I know we talked about this last week, but it would have been easy for you guys to be like, yeah, we have a lightning delay. Maybe we're not going to play as hard, or we don't have our top two receivers. Maybe we're not going to be able to throw the ball. Like, It just seems like you guys have overcome that, and you just have this. It's never unstoppable, but you have a whole lot of momentum right now, it feels like, Harris. Yeah, I don't know. We're just... Like I said, man, you just got to take it week by week and uh, prepare the best you can. Uh, that was a crazy game last Saturday, and and you have to just keep on keeping on, you know, double overtime. That's that's tough, man, but you got to keep just, just grinding and taking it, you know, day by day, play by play. Um, the momentum, yeah, it's it's great. 
Um, but what are you going to do when you don't have the, that momentum too? You know what I mean? You got to, you got to just, whether high, whether low, you got to keep steady and, and keep, keep going. Yeah, no doubt about that. Let's talk about that Baylor game a little bit. And how tough was it? Because it looked like a physical football game. It looked like you guys are running your faces into each other. And I mean, that was a, that was a game where quite literally one snap of the football is going to determine who wins and who lost, who loses. How tough, how gritty, how physical was that game? Oh, dude, it was awesome. It was, it was, it was like, it was just a complete all out just football game grinder, man, just to fight to the end. Uh, and that's what you want, man. Like, just those games can't replace those for anything man like it was awesome you know we're in the huddle we're looking at each other and we're just like let's go boys like this is it right here like this is what we train for all year like let's go and just lay it all out on the line you know what i mean so yeah. and they're, they're and baylor's saying the same thing you know their defense saying the same thing so when you have when you have competition like that nothing better than that man do you guys talk a lot to like Baylor BYU? Are you guys talking across the line? Are you guys like what? What is that relationship like on the field? Is there a lot of heat? Is there a lot of like what is that conversation like during a game? Yeah, that's a good question. So it depends on like some of the teams we play talk a lot of crap, others don't. Uh, you know, it depends on how the game's going. This particular game, there's some trash talk going on. There's some just. Dylan, like, like for example, I was I was talking to uh, uh, Siaki Ika, and he was like, and I noticed he's wearing the same cleats I was, um, but they're these Nike cleats that came out like a while ago, and they don't make them anymore. I talked to the Nike fan manufacturers, uh. and they don't make them anymore. And I was like, so I have to find my cleats that I like, like on eBay sometimes, the, the Nike Zoom Cody cleats. But he had them on; they were brand new, and I was like, wait a second, you guys have those? Like. I was like, Let, let's let's trade uh, cleats after the game, bro. Like, I got to get a new pair of those. <laughs> and so you have like little small talk like that. And I, that's one of my favorite things is like you're chilling and we're we're giving it our all, but at the same time we're like we're bros too. I don't know. It's like this weird mutual respect when you're going against each other every play. You know what I mean? Well, you're going to Oregon. Maybe you and Phil Knight can hang out and he can make you some cleats or something, man. I mean, he's got a little pull at Nike from what I understand. Well, as I we told talk him, man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you got to make those more. They're like, I don't know. Everybody likes them, so who knows? Yeah, you're a Nike school. You would think that you would think that they would be able to 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 hook that up. They make retros all the time now. Yeah. As we talk BYU football with Harris Lachance, brought to you by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Um, and thanks to our good friends at Coog Connect, by the way, CoogConnect.com uh, for hooking us up with Harris. Um, by the way, there's a rap song from Coog Connect. Have you heard like the the anthem, the like the Cody Epps anthem? Have you heard this thing? <laughs> I wouldn't call it an anthem, but yeah, it's an anthem. I guess it is. <laughs> Okay, wait. So can can they? It's a it's actually a good song. I actually enjoy it a little bit. But rock and royal. Yeah. How do you how does that get received in the room? Like, how do you as a group like that song? <laughs> we played it. We had like big speakers in the locker room. We played it one time. It's funny. <laughs> He's like, "There's the part is like, shout out to the players, wives and babies. It's freaking funny. We're like, BYU. Like, He's trying to rap, trying to sound cool." It's a good song. I don't know. It is what it is. It's funny. We laugh at it. It's kind of goofy, but. I love it. Absolutely love it. And w that brings me to one of the questions I want to ask you about the Baylor game before we move on to Oregon. 
the hug on the sideline, the hug heard around the world. Really, if we're being honest, the hug that was in everybody's feels around the world because you have a sobbing kicker who's missed these two field goals and you've just won the game and him and Jaron are in this death hug where Jake, is, it feels like his soul is just coming out under the shoulder of Jaron Hall. <laughs> but what I think about that is, I always hear Kalani say, love, family, brothers, we support everybody, we stick together. And I, I know, I'm not trying to be corny or whatever, but it just felt like that was the embodiment of what Kalani Sataki talks about. How did the team react to that moment? Oh, absolutely. That's um, that's nothing new here, man. That's I love this culture here at this team, and it's a culture of love and learning. Um, and when you make a mistake, you know, you learn from it and you move on, but we all love each other. We lift each other up. You know what I mean? And you stay as positive as you can. Like, like I said before, you know, even we talk about highs and lows and a game and the life. Um, you want to constantly kind of – be steady and, and be, if you're having, you know, if you're going through some good times, you know, don't, don't forget the Lord or don't forget, you know, to do the basics. And if you're going through some hard times, you know, same thing. And that's what that culture is here, man. He teaches us about life and how things can be hard, but we're going to make it through. We lift each other up. We, we, we uh, support each other, you know, and, and help each other. And honestly, that was like a perfect, yeah, that was a perfect uh, example of that in our culture. So. What was it like when Kalani brought Jake in front of the, the team? He talked about it in his pre press conference that he brought Jake up in front of the team to let him know that, hey, we all support him. Like, was there emotion in that? Was there celebra celebration in that? Was it a quiet room? Like, what was that moment like? Oh, yeah, just love. Just like, hey, man. Uh, I think we all were just kind of like kind of cheered a little bit. Just, you know, uh, helps that we won. Uh, but also that um, – <laughs> That we love him no matter what, you know what I mean? We're going to get it next time, and, and that's all you can do. So that's that. Is there – it just felt like – I'll never forget the look on his face. Like, underneath yeah. his helmet, you have a kid that's dying inside because he missed these two kicks, right? Like, I'll never forget that emotion. How much passion is there? How much – like, how much of that heart and soul that we always hear about in rap songs and, and in cliches, but – it just seemed like that was really in that moment. Like, how much of that is real in a football game and in a in a football environment? Oh, dude, hundred percent. It's all real. It's all emotion. Like I say, play after play. Um, like I always say, you know, you're giving it your whole life. You worked your whole life to be there in that play. You know what I mean? You put your whole life on the line, and you're giving it all you've got every single play. Um, and that is the most highest emotion you can have. You know what I mean? That's why you got to stay steady. Uh, but it's true. It's like that hug, that thing. I mean, I feel like that's the whole world needs that, man. You know what yeah. I mean? We, it is. It's a beautiful thing, and it's like whether hard times, whether good times, we're gonna stick together. We're gonna stick this through, and and it is, man. It's it's even more than a game. You love it. It's love. It's love. That's awesome. Talking to Harris Lachance, BYU football in Eugene uh, this weekend, taking on Oregon. How tough? Um, do you know Watson Stadium? Have you been exposed to that? Like, how tough of a place to play is it? Yeah, so I haven't played there before, but I heard it's going to be pretty wild. The fans are pretty wild there, so that should be really fun. I think uh, it's going to be pretty fun, especially just going out there on the road and um, – Kind of getting a little taste of our own medicine lately from our our crowd, but now we're gonna, they're going to be yelling over our offense and stuff, and so 
that should be fun. You know, it's been raining here uh, all week long. So yesterday we practiced in the rain. It's supposed to rain there. And uh, so it's been pretty fun, man. I'm excited for this game. Well, by the way, I noticed you're wearing a sweatshirt. I am so jealous. I am ready. We're kind of, we're like getting the red eye tonight. I am ready to be back in in Utah where it's finally cooled off. But yes. it, it I, I'm a huge fan of sweatshirt weather. I got to tell you, seeing you in a sweatshirt actually like lifts my spirits today because I'm ready to come home and put on the sweatshirt, man. Whatever, dude. You're chilling over there in Hawaii, bro. You got to be having so much fun. <laughs> I'm surprised oh, you wear a shirt right now, man. Hey, man, I'm not complaining. It, well, you know, I don't want to make all the, the wives and girlfriends jealous by going shirtless. It's just okay. not something I feel appropriate to do. But um, I, 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 I'm I, a huge sweatshirt guy. Like I am a oh, – yeah. we went to the top of Haleakala, which is the volcano here on Maui, yesterday, yeah. and it was like 39 degrees. I had on the sweatshirt. I was cold. I haven't felt cold like that since last winter on a snowboard, man, and I – to see you in a sweatshirt is just amazing. By the way, what's the hat you're wearing? I see it's a baseball hat now that you turned it around. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big hat guy. So this is the Red Sox hat. Oh, uh, nice. But um, it's got the uh, 04 World Series patch on there. Um, this is a UV series, uh, the red UV. I don't know. There's there's They make all sorts of fitted hats these days, and they have all yep. sorts of cool colorways. And, and I love it, man. you got to hit it on the drop like some shoes. Uh, oh so see now you're talking my language i'm a jordan guy like i've i am a i am a huge shoe collector i'm a huge hat collector the problem is i wear a size eight hat i have a massive cranium just hold this massive brain so like (laughs) i wear a huge hat the pro and those are not readily available my main question about that hat is what what was the issue where they sold out of cubs hats the day you bought that red Sox hat by accident That's a good one. That's a good one. I get it. Let's go back to the fact that you're snowboarding. Let's go. Can we bring yes. back that? Yes. You're a yes. big snowboarder, dude. You're just like hitting jumps Uh-oh. and freaking pulling 360s or what? Yeah, like like triple Lindy's and stuff. Okay. Uh, no, I, I I get more. I get less air than the width of a credit card, but I can blaze, dude. I mean, I, I can actually snowboard. I'm a pass holder at Vail. Like I am a Park City Mountain guy, and we actually go to Tahoe Mammoth. We go out to Denver. Yeah, I'm a snowboarding dude, man. I love it. Dude, love it. I, w- I would love to be a snowboarder. I'm like, oh, when I get done with football, whenever I'm like, I gotta lose some weight and get into get into some outdoor sports here. It helps to lose weight. Trust me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it does. It makes a difference. Uh, all right. Before we cut you loose, I want to get to this Oregon thing too. Um, when you look at Oregon and you look at the way you guys match up, I mean, obviously Oregon is going through a reshuffle right now. Brand new head coach. Um, when you look at that team now, what have you guys seen on tape and, and in your preparation? What are you expecting from the Oregon Ducks this weekend? Um, expecting uh, they're going to give us everything they got. Uh, much respect to this team. I mean, they have a lot of talented players and a lot of great players. Um, so we're preparing for it, uh, you know, even more so than, than our last game. You know what I mean? Everybody's going to – got a bigger target on our back, so everybody's going to give us the best shot they got. And so we got to be ready for it too. And I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a grinder again. So it should be fun. Twelfth Ranked 12th in the country, but a four-point road dog. Uh, at Oregon. I know you always tell me every week so far, well, we don't pay attention to that. I don't know what that means. You guys are 12th in the country and you're a four-point dog. Like, there's some respect that I think, need, and I, I guess you have to earn it every week, and I totally understand that. But 
I would think that you guys like where you're at right now. Absolutely, you can get better. But what does it mean that, that Harris Lachance, you're on a BYU football team that's ranked 12th in the country, going to Oregon to play a massive game? What does that mean to you? Uh, it means that it's pretty awesome, but it also means that it's only week two, man. It's only – or week three coming up here. So uh, it's, it's awesome, but uh, I'm excited to see – I want to see, you know, rank number one or number two at the end of the season. So that's that's my goal. That's that's all of our goals. Uh, we're excited, but there's plenty of work to do. So that's what I would say. Final question would be about the run game. Obviously, you know, I think everybody's making a big deal about, you know, Christopher Brooks, you know, getting going or hasn't gotten going. I mean, that – I think we're making too much of that. I think the football community is making too much of that. There's a transition for him coming in from Cal, but are you with Chris and specifically with the run game on the whole, you know, are you guys happy with what you've been able to produce in that aspect of the offense? Um, I mean, you can't, I don't think we're happy with it. I think uh, there's always much to improve on. I think that this past D line was a really good D line. Um, so you know, that was a good test for us. Um, I think we're constantly working out the kinks here, you know, uh, adjusting some stuff um, and making making right reads, getting more comfortable. And so I think that's that's where we're at there. Well, I mean, as a seventh-year returning senior, Lopini Katoa, who feels like I joke, but he feels like he's been here forever. And I know you guys have been on this club together for a long time. You've got to be really happy from him. I mean, he is he looks like he's playing great football. He's a big part of what you guys are doing offensively. I mean, that's a guy who has paid his dues and now he's seen the fruits of his labor. I got to believe you're really happy for that guy. Oh, dude, I love Penny. He is he does. He deserves every every single bit of it, man. He's a great runner, tough little guy and and will freaking be there whenever you need him. So, he is awesome. Well, enjoy the sweatshirt weather. Please stay healthy this weekend. It has been so fun um, to watch you inside at guard, and I wish you nothing but the best at Oregon, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Monty. Appreciate you, brother. You bet. Appreciate you as well. That's Harris Lachance, uh, guard for BYU. Um, really enjoying those conversations. I, I, I think it is so critical to hear – Harris Lachance talk about the fact that this is more than just a cliche and when you hear when you hear Harris saying you know hey it's all love dude like that Jake Oldroyd moment I I will never forget it I wasn't even kidding I will never forget the look on Jake's face not you like Jake Oldroyd right yeah you the would, other Jake yeah, yeah. they'd have cut your not ass not to be already. confused yeah you, you know yeah but anyway the look on Jake Oldroyd's face as his soul was pouring into Jaron's shoulder, I, I will never forget that. That was that was something I will remember for a long time. Yeah, and I think BYU fans will remember that for a long time, and I think that, that it's, a, it's a defining moment of the season. And I think if you go and beat Oregon, it's just, you know, you can, you, again, you're starting to put together the puzzle pieces on the season, if you think about it. You know, you have, you know, the, the South Florida win with the lightning and, you know, the delays and everything that you dealt with. Then you have this double overtime, just insane game with the, you know, Jake's soul leaving his body on Jaron's <laughs> shoulder. Like, what does Oregon have in store for us? You know, and, and that's and that's why I say I, I, I would love I would love nothing more than to see BYU 
Go up to Eugene and control this game. Control it with the run game. Control it with the defense. You know, really possess the football for a long time. Yeah. Um, I think it would be great to see a just a clean cut, thorough, you know, frankly, ass kicking of Oregon. I'd love to see that. Yeah, and I, I think that the point he made about the run game is it's in development. But it's always in development. I mean, you're, you're opponent to opponent. I mean, you're, you're looking at South Florida into Baylor is a completely different mm -hmm. kind of game. That physicality um, is a completely different kind of game. I love the fact that he's talking to his opponent about his cleats. I See, it's stuff you like know. that. Yeah. I love that kind of inside stuff. But I think when you're looking at the, the running game, I mean, it is opponent to opponent. I think Oregon is a team that you're going to be able to run on a little bit more than you will have had success against Baylor, for instance, because I think there's a little bit more, I don't know, there's a little less talent up front for Oregon than there is for Baylor. I well, think they're Baylor, not as physical. Let's be honest about it. I mean, I, Baylor's I agree a with big that. boy physical football team that yeah. you have to go in and you got to push them around. And I, and I think that's what, you know, a lot of the, you know, if you read the tea leaves nationally, that's what a lot of people paid attention to in that game was that BYU wasn't outmatched physically. BYU wasn't outmatched size-wise. BYU wasn't going to be bullied or pushed around. And, and I think, you know, to me, when I, when I look at BYU and specifically Harris and the offensive linemen, their ability to adapt to their opponent, I think it's huge. I mean, when you have when you have guys who are as athletic as a Harris Lachance or, you know, anybody else you want to point to in that starting group, I think that gives you a lot of options, whether you want to run, you know, whether you want to run the option in the backfield, if you want to run the speed option, if you want to get out and get Harris Lachance out ahead of ahead of Jaron on some misdirection stuff. Like, there are a lot of options, and not every offensive line and not every uh, offense has that luxury. So that's why I say – this week against Oregon, I just want to see them road grade Oregon. I want to see you control that team, push them around, create holes for, for Brooks to run through, and let him get to yeah. the second level. Football 50 and Harris Lachance presented by uh, Papa Murphy's Pizza. Check them out uh, in their app. Make sure you download the app. It is for us. It's the easiest way to order pizza, order that uh, amazing large. The Monty Special. Get, I'm telling you, if you're, if you're not a barbecue pizza guy, you don't need to get the chicken, but get the barbecue sauce. Get away from the traditional red sauce. Trust me when I say if you'll get that barbecue sauce, the original crust, get the barbecue sauce, layer on the onions, layer on the green onion, layer on the mozzarella. Mm -hmm. mm. I'm telling you, one of the best things you can do with Papa Murphy's is customize a whole pizza. It is so good, and it's so easy to do. The best part about Papa Murphy's pizza is you order it in the app, and you can tell them what time you want to pick it up. Hey, I want to pick it up at 4 o'clock. Last, the last pizza we had the night before we left, we ordered it at 10 a.m., told them, hey, we'll pick it up at 5 o'clock. You walk in the door at 5 o'clock. It is sitting there fresh and ready for you. It's sitting on a rack by the door. It's super easy. If you're like me, I'm an Apple Pay guy. So in the Papa Murphy's app, I just use the Apple Pay feature, pay it out pretty quick, walk in the door, it's ready to go, pop it on the smoker. Bada I mean, boom, bada bing. It is so much quicker than ordering delivery, and you know exactly what you're getting, and this is the thing I love about Papa Murphy's. They deliver the same quality product every time you order from them. There is no variance. I know what I'm getting. I know that those, the, the chocolate chip cookie dough you take home, put it on the smoker with the pizza. Yes. Trust me, they're amazing. The s'mores that you also get, they also Come offer. Come on, you casuals. S'mores.
S'mores. It's still, s'mores. Still one of the best arguments we've ever had on this show. S'mores or s'mores? <laughs> s'mores, uh, bro. They also offer you s'mores that you can take home and make for the kids. Like It's just unbelievable. Papa Murphy's Pizza. Use the promo code MONTY25, M-O-N-T-Y, MONTY25, for 25% off your purchase of $25 or more. Probably the biggest story in the NFL uh, is Jerry Jones says he's optimistic that Dak Prescott will have a quick return. <laughs> so here's on, my question. Jarrah. Come on. Here's my question. Right. Yeah. And Jarrah, we trust. Right. Is never been uttered by any Cowboy fan. Mm-hmm. Ever. I think that's HIPAA. Uh, I think it is HIPAA. Uh, I don't know what the Cowboys are doing beyond, you know, being rudderless. I just, I maintain that if Dak Prescott's 100% healthy, they're still arguably not a playoff team facts they are certainly not a super bowl contending team how important jake is is dak prescott to the dallas cowboys yeah i mean i i think that when you pay a guy on the level that you're paying dak obviously he's super important to what you're trying to do and and really what's unfortunate is when a guy like dak gets hurt um and he has the kind of implications he has on your cap uh that makes it really difficult to go out and and do anything and and i think the frustrating part is is that Jerry is this guy, and obviously I'm not, you know, this isn't groundbreaking, but Jerry is a guy who isn't great at footballing. Like, I think it's not unfair or harsh to say that. Like, you had some success a decade ago or whatever, however long it's been, but your teams have never really, like, yeah, you've had some playoff teams, you've had some teams that have been good, but you've never really had that team where you're like, yes, this team can be, you know, 10, 11, 12 win kind of team that's going to go out and dominate. They've always struggled to get out of that weak ass division and it's just incredible to me that but they haven't listen, had more success listen, they're not the chicago bears they didn't get the week one win like we hey did you know like i the the myr and we we're the chicago flipping bears dude that's who we are you know like we just win football <laughs> games until this weekend when we lose but that's not really the point you know we beat the <laughs> Can I just feel good for one week that the Bears actually won a game? Um, I just think I, I think the Dallas Cowboys are largely overrated. And I think it's one of those stories that it's the gift that just keeps on giving, yes. such as Giselle Bunchton and being married to Giselle Bunchton. Right. Giselle Bunchton would like Tom Brady to be, quote, more present. <laughs> So, those of us that are married and we dominate our households as the king of our castles. Right, right. uh, I don't know anything about that, frankly. Uh, (laughs) But the point is, isn't this, that's not funny. Isn't this the politics? Isn't this the issues that we as, as families have to navigate? Because whether it's, hey, you golf too much or you work too much or whatever it is, this is that situation where you have a wife that is telling her husband, Hey man, I need you to be around more. Now they're a billion dollar couple, so it has nothing to do with him making money. No, but, no, no. But the point is, I think this is what normalizes Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. This is what makes Tom Brady the magnet personality that he is. Yes. And the superstar guy that he is, because he's just a regular dude who is struggling to navigate the waters of marriage because his wife would like him to be more present. I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Other than that, everything's fine, babe. <laughs> right? Like, this yes, is so does normal to me. Tom Brady. It does. It brings him back down from whatever pedestal he's on. 
and you know just makes it very clear that he deals with some of the same challenges that other people deal with and and you know again i i think it's it's easier to relate to these guys when you have experience being in locker rooms or talking to these guys and understanding that they are human beings and they are people yeah. and they do have wives and kids and a life you this know? is wives yeah you know what i mean and, and i think that that tom is tom is a guy that I personally don't blame for pushing the envelope on this, man. Like how many, like how many guys are Tom Brady? Oh, that's right, exactly zero. So that's why I say he's at a place in his career where you're doing things that you're basically setting a high watermark. How many years can you play? What numbers can you set? And I think he understands that. Talking Utah Jazz basketball in two minutes, but football at fifty is presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza goes all in on made from scratch freshness like Papa Murphy's. We go all in on quality. All in on craft. And on the triple pep pizza, we go all in on pepperoni. Because when you go all in, people notice. Go all in with a limited time triple pep pizza topped with three types of pepperoni for just $11.99. Papa Murphy's. Change the way you pizza. Make sure you use promo code MONTY25, M-O-N-T-Y, MONTY25, when you order at Papa Murphy's for 25% off your order of $25 or more. The Monty Show presented by the Advocates, Utah Injury Attorneys. Make sure you find them online at utahadvocates.com. All right. It is just about 11 o'clock in the mountain time zone. Are you ready? To talk jazz basketball. Sure. It's 7 o'clock here in Maui. Uh, so why wouldn't we talk uh, Utah jazz? Just a couple of notes to remind you about before we get into the jazz. Don't forget to join us. Saturday, this Saturday, already. Already, bro. Already this Saturday, uh, when Oregon takes on BYU, we're all going to watch the game together at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. Um, we'll be doing our football Saturday show live at noon. Uh, from noon to one, we'll be talking all things college football from Utah to BYU. Uh, we'll get you ready for the top 25 uh, schedule. And, of course, we'll have all of the latest details on Puka Nakua and Puka. Romney. Yeah. Are they going to play? We'll get you ready to watch that game. BYU and Oregon, we'll watch it together. And then at halftime of that game, we are going to draw the winner's name to send two listeners to see BYU and Notre Dame go head-to-head -head in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium in the Shamrock Series. You get two tickets to the game, two nights at the Palms Casino Resort and Hotel, and a $250 gas card to get you there. Whew, it is going to be fun. It feels like forever that we've been talking about this. Well, it's here. We need you to show up Saturday. Let's eat some pizza. We're going to have a dozen large pizzas from Papa Murphy's that we're going to cook on smokers there. Oh, my God, I'm ready. And I am ready for that. We're going to have wings from Don's Meats. Don, uh, a great local guy. Uh, just search Don's Meats. He's on Redwood Road in West Jordan. Great local butcher. Has all the best cuts of meat, including wings. We're going to have wings. Jake demanded that I bring flats or he wouldn't show up. You know. We know Jake's the star of the show. That's right. I got to have him there. It's obviously called the Jake Show. So I had to get flats, but trust me when I say we're going to have drums as well. It is going to be an amazing time at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. Make sure you check them out online at bbqpitstop.com for all of your, your barbecue and smoker needs. I mean, whether it is the actual physical unit, a, a big green egg, maybe it's a Yoder, a Traeger, which is what we have. Mm -hmm. um, all of the equipment, the rubs, the spices, trust me, when you walk in the door at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh on Saturday, you're going to be wowed. 
uh, because there is going to be a lot, a lot to look at there, and it is going to be a great time. Um, whether it's inside, if it's raining, we're still doing the event. Um, it is just going to be fun. Saturday, yes. be there at noon. By the way, if you have not entered the contest, it's going to be tough to do. Lay that. down the law, baby. The I, I now, we've told you this. You've procrastinated yes. now. Yes. You've procrastinated now. Yes. But we will be there. It is going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing. From noon to one, we will have an enter to win box on the table, and you will be able to you will be able to enter the contest from noon to one. That's your last opportunity to enter the contest. Can't delay it anymore because at halftime of the BYU Oregon game on Saturday at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh, we're going to pick the winner. Yes. So it's going to be great. Greg Hawkins says he's going to be there. Gabe Ledley's coming in from Phoenix. He's going to be there. I am looking forward to seeing everybody at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh on Saturday at noon. All right, let's get a couple of comments in here because I know a lot of you have been commenting. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, Brent Burnett says, yeah, jazz soon. Uh, yeah, how about the fact that the jazz season goes to, they go to training camp in two weeks. Mm -hmm. How crazy is that? Uh, jazz are a dark horse this year. The whole team is unknown. Uh, I wouldn't call them a dark ho horse. I just would not. Uh, Isaac Aguiar says, great comeback by the Bears from a Niner fan. Yeah, Chicago Bears. Chicago. Dicka. Uh, Greg Hawkins says, I love how Monty talks trash about pepperoni pizza, then runs an ad for a triple pepperoni pizza. Listen, yeah, next question. men don't eat pepperoni. Okay, we eat sausage and occasionally sausage. Uh, I'm just not a pepperoni guy. Yeah, not a big pep guy myself, but, but that doesn't mean it's not good. You know, look, that doesn't mean that you, it's not great. I mean, my guy Caleb Harrison, that's all he eats is pepperoni pizza. It just is what it is. It you know is what, what I'm is. saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Brett Burnett says he just makes us hungry. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, vacation by these guys would be uh, much needed. Truth. Uh, Rant says, like how the Jazz rebuild got Sexton better than Brunson and cheaper. Eh, I, don't, I don't know if I would say that he's, he's better than Brunson. Yeah, I, I think that's a little... Uh... That's a little lofty, if I'm being honest. I think Colin Sexton can be an, a nice player for sure. I, I'm not sure that he has Donovan Mitchell upside. No. Um, but I think that he could be a nice player. I would agree. As we talk Utah Jazz basketball on the Monty Show, um, let me just roll some of this out. Um, because Danny Ainge said something to Craig Bowlerjack that I thought was very interesting about being mediocre. The reality is, is, is we've had 16 years of... I wouldn't, it's better than mediocrity for mm -hmm. sure at times in the last 16 years, but at the same time, it really hasn't been championship caliber basketball. And um, um, 16 years without finished getting past the second round of the playoffs, right. I think is not what any of us want. And so the change is just, okay, here we are with veteran team, um, had been all in right. on this veteran team. I think Dennis Lindsay has done a fantastic job in this organization, as did Quinn Snyder. And um, but I just think it's it's we're starting over. Starting over. Mm -hmm. When you hear him say those two words, starting over. Well, how does that impact you as a jazz fan? I, I've got to believe that's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's starting over. I actually disagree with those two words. I don't think that you are. I don't think you're starting over, and I don't think that it should be viewed as that. I, I think this is a continual push forward because, again, starting over to me 
you know, is I just don't like the verbiage because, frankly, it's not like you had to like redraft your whole team or something. What you've done here is you've you've made a decision, and frankly, I think it was a hard decision, and they deserve yes. credit for it. But I think it was the decision that was necessary. I think Danny said it perfectly there. Hey, you've had 16 years of basketball that was good enough to go to the playoffs, but not good enough to win a championship. We told you, like, what, a year ago, we've been saying it for a long time, that that, you, that Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell team was not championship material. And we got a lot of hate for that, but it's funny now how it's coming back around. And I think that the, yeah. the, the Utah Jazz deserve credit for making a decision to, to get rid of those guys. At the same time, I don't think that the Utah Jazz have the luxury of being a 20-win team. And I don't think that um, by the deadline, the veterans are going to be here. No, I, I would agree with that. And I think the other thing that Danny Ainge said, and this was in the press conference that they had where we got almost nothing. <laughs> but this bite right here is critically important. Here's Danny Ainge talking about a group of players who didn't believe. What I saw during the season was a group of players that really didn't believe in each other. Like the whole group, I think they liked each other even more than was reported. I think there was, um, but I'm not sure there was a belief that they, and so I, when we got to the playoffs, I thought, well, this is a team that's had some disappointing playoffs and maybe they're just waiting for the playoffs. And so I gave them that benefit of the doubt and, um, but it was clear the team, you know, did not perform well in the playoffs. Well, I mean, that that is very clear. Very clear. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't perform well in the playoffs. But I wonder how much of that was a shot at Donovan Mitchell. And this is the problem, and this is kind of the conversation we continue to have about the Utah Jazz. Nobody asked that question. Nobody followed up on, hey, Donovan, like the comments about, like, you know, moving on. Or starting over. How does it reflect on Donovan Mitchell that you just said that the group of players didn't really believe that they could win a ball game together? They that they they didn't believe that 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 they could really win a championship together. I mean, how does that was that why you traded Donovan Mitchell, or what was what was the actual reason for trading Donovan Mitchell? Because I think the the Utah Jazz fan base deserves to have that question answered. Because I got news for you, it's not good enough. Just to say, well, the Knicks came calling or Cleveland came calling or any random team came calling. So that's why we decided to, you know, to go ahead and green light the Cavs trade. You know, like I think Utah Jazz fans deserve that answer. And frankly, and again, I, I'm not saying this from the perspective of, hey, we're better than anyone or or these guys suck or I'm not trying to have that conversation. All I'm saying is. I think it's an easy follow-up that should have been asked, which simply would have been, hey, what does it say about Donovan Mitchell that this team didn't believe it could win a championship together? I think that's a big question, and I think it's one of those things that I don't know that we'll ever know because I don't know that anybody will ask that. I mean, you traded a, a, a top-tier player in the NBA who was 25 years old yes. and had three more years of club control. You know, Something happened there. Yes. And nobody followed up on that. Nobody asked that question. And I think one of the things that really stands out to me is that the Jazz control the media in this town. And yeah. it's interesting. I've, I, I have guys at the Jazz that I talk to mm -hmm. on a pretty regular basis, and they agree. They control the media in this town. Yeah. And one of the things that it, you know, is so often talked about is that the Jazz are not accountable to anyone. 
and they're not. And I think that that's part of the allure of owning this team for Ryan Smith is Thanks. he can have a miss on a, on a jersey rollout and nobody's going to say anything. Um, you know, they can, they can make a transformative trade and nobody's going to ask why. They Multiple can, transformative trades. I mean, the Rudy Gobert trade was as simple as dollars and cents. They had to move that. You contract. had a built-in reason, but I still think it. it, it in, even in that presser, right? You, there still would have been opportunity to say, "Hey, so you moved on from Rudy Gobert? Like, you know, what's the direction of this team?" Or you, there are still opportunities. Like, I agree with you. There's built-in reason to trade him. Absolutely. Like that wasn't something controversial or even surprising. But it's still a foundational change to the organization. I mean, this is someone who was a three-time defensive player of the year. This is someone who the fans absolutely loved and adored, man. Like, it's a big deal. But I, I think when you do that with both of these guys, it's a major problem. Yeah. It is a, it is a major problem. And now the question is, how do you replace a guy like Donovan Mitchell? I, and I, the answer is, I don't know. But when you listen to this bite, and I would ask you, I'm, I'm just going to play this one more time this 16 years of mediocrity. Listen to what he says here. The reality is, is, is we've had 16 years of, I wouldn't, it's better than mediocrity for mm -hmm. sure at times in the last 16 years, but at the same time, it really hasn't been championship caliber basketball. And um, um, 16 years without finished getting past the second round of the playoffs, right. I think is not what any of us want. And so the change is just, okay, here we are with veteran team, um, had been all in right. on this veteran team. I think Dennis Lindsay has done a fantastic job in this organization, as did Quinn Snyder. And, um, but I just think it's, it's, we're starting over. Yeah, and I think the, this whole concept around starting over is, is just to me, I just don't agree with it. And so I think with the media, you have this situation where they won't ask the question. And I think that the, the Danny Ainge, you know, and Ryan Smith, and frankly, the whole front office team understand that. They understand the concept of, hey, we're not going to get big time backlash. We're not going to get uh, questions about, you know, hey, how are we operating or what are we doing or what choices are we making or maybe hey, you know, are you going after VW in the draft now because you've torn it down? Are you doing, you know, certain things yeah. based on your behavior? And I think that 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 it is, it is frustrating, but at the same time, I also think that the Utah Jazz behavior is very predictable in, in some ways where you have this whole concept of, hey, it's been about two weeks or whatever it's been since the Donovan Mitchell trade went down, and they're just now doing media availability. See, Greg Hawkins makes a great, a great point. It's, quote, it's better than mediocrity for sure at times. LOL, no, it's the definition of mediocrity. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't have a problem with the game plan here. I really don't. I need to know why you traded Donovan Mitchell. Mm -hmm. I need to know. I know what I've been told. What's the thought process? I know what I've been told. I know what we've been told. I know what, you know, sources are telling us. I'm going to hear Danny Ainge say it. Mm -hmm. I want to understand it because when you're talking about chemistry issues in your locker room, that's a big freaking deal. And I don't want the question to come from Craig Bowler, Jack, with all due respect. No, you know, I don't want I don't want the questions to come from from him because it just it's no secret. And again, we were talking about this on Twitter over the last couple of days about how it's softball and it's a very safe environment. And there's no there's just no honesty in it. That's what I think people are upset about. There's no like 
real, honest in, in, integrity in it. And totally I totally agree. That's what that's in. And, and as jazz fans, I understand why you're frustrated. And everyone says to us, "Well, why don't you guys go? Why don't you guys ask the questions? Why don't you guys?" Do that because we don't have time to be going to jazz games constantly. We don't have that. that well, type when you of get up at, at four four thirty in the like, morning, it makes that very difficult. It makes it difficult, and, and yeah, understandably, I, yeah, it, it's it's a whole different dynamic. Utah Jazz basketball talk on the Monty Show presented uh, by TrydayTrading.com. TrydayTrading.com slash Monty. Um, hey, if you're trying to get out of your nine to five and you are that person that's on the wheel constantly searching for the side hustle. And I know you've tried Amazon FBA. You've tried garage sailing. You've tried, you know, collectors. You've tried all this stuff mm -hmm. to make money on the side. You're touring your car. You're doing all this stuff. Stop. Get off the wheel. Make real money. Get out of your nine to five at tridaytrading.com slash Monty. If you have any interest in, in knowing, if you're somebody that's been passionate about the stock market like me, which is how I found tridaytrading.com, I'm a big stock market guy. I'm a, I, I have dabbled in day trading. I know I don't know what I'm doing. I am one of those guys who believe you got to know what you don't know, right? Well, I do. And that's why I trust the guys at tridaytrading.com. And, and what they're going to do is they are going to allow you to trade their money and if you make money with their money, you guys split the profit. If you don't, that's a loss for Triday Trading. That's why I'm telling you, it is easy to go to tridaytrading.com slash Monty and register for their free webinar. It is a, a free, no cost, no obligation webinar that's going to tell you exactly how the program at Triday Trading works. And the best part about the program at Triday Trading is you get high level coaching. It's not like, hey, we're going to you know, put you through our program and then we're never going to talk to you again. There's support all the way down the line. And as I mentioned before, you go through their program, you get this coaching, and then you trade their money. Your first trades are not with your own money. You're not risking your own wealth. You are trading Triday Trading's money. And if you make money, you split the profit. It is as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. That's what side hustling should be about. Build generational wealth for your family. Do it at trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Register for the free webinar. Trust me when I say you will not regret it. Trydaytrading.com slash Monty as we talk Utah Jazz basketball. There is a little significant breaking news, though, this morning. Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson is stepping down after nearly 25 years on the job at the Mountain West Conference. And I know that uh, Craig has taken quite a beating. He's not a guy that is popular in Mountain West country. I mean, the lack of a quality TV network, the lack of really a quality TV deal, um, growing revenue. I mean, there's been a lot of complaints, but Jake, I think one thing is for sure with Craig Thompson at the helm of the Mountain West, I mean, they've, they certainly have grown a footprint in that conference. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Mountain West is, obviously it's a fine conference. I, I, for me, like the Mountain West is, it, it, it it, it is what it is. Like the guy has been there a long time. Obviously he hasn't executed as you were just saying. And I think the mountain West and in, in every football conference deserves better. I mean, uh, frankly, how different is the mountain West from the pack? When you really look at it, obviously the talent's better in the pack. That's no secret, but I'm just talking about from a TV network X's and O's, you know, making money perspective, the mountain West really just isn't that much different from what the pack deals with, you know, no TV, uh, no great TV deal or really what, what would be called a distribution deal. Um, overall, you're just not in, in, you're not in a great place as a conference. So yeah, while this is breaking news, I very much feel that this has been a long time coming and we'll, we'll, we'll see who they bring on. You know, I, I don't really think that 
Maybe I'm being naive, but I don't know that this affects, you know, college football expansion a ton, you know, um, and I, and I, yeah, it just is what it is. I don't like, do you feel like this is some huge deal or some like groundbreaking move? Oh, like, I think it's history in the making. I think Craig Thompson is one of the longest serving commissioners in college football. Uh, I think for better or for worse, he has really shaped um, the past and really has shaped the direction of the Mountain West going forward. Um, and I, I think it's one of those things where you will not fully understand his impact on this conference until a replacement is in place. And if this conference takes off, and I, I disagree, I think this is a huge moment in time for the Mountain West as far as expansion goes, because I think the Mountain West and its viability as a conference is at risk. Because when you look at the member institutions, teams like Utah State, teams, you know, there, there's a lot of attractive brands in that conference that I don't think are just going to sit around and wait. I mean, the San Diego States of the world are in high demand. And I think when you look at what the Mountain West Conference is and what it's going to be, I think those are two very different things. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, there's, a, there's a lot at play here. I just don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm downplaying it. I mean, we need to see who replaces them. We need to see the impacts of that. We need to see how that, how that all sort of plays out. But again, I, I don't think that your, your, your run-of-the-mill college football fan is going to sit here and be like, wow, he stepped down like, holy cow, what's going on in college football? You know, I think they know his name. They know he was a commissioner for a really long time. They know yeah. some of the brands in that conference. But I just, I, I don't know, man. This, I, I, For some reason, to me, this just feels like it was a long time coming. And, and frankly, I hope it's good for the conference. I, I don't really know how it could be bad, to be honest with you. I think it's always good when you get you know a fresh voice in the room, without a doubt. I think when you look at, you, you look at just, you know, the, the mountain division, Teams like Boise, Air Force, Utah State, Colorado State. You look at, at Nevada, Fresno State, San Diego State, UNLV. I mean, all of those teams have been mentioned in potential Big 12, Pac-12 conversations. They definitely have brands, absolutely. I, mean, I, I think that, yeah, sure, if a new commissioner comes in and paves the way for you know the Mountain West to be dissolved, if you will, or like paves the way for these teams to be added into a bigger picture situation situation that's great but but we have to see that play out you know if you're if you're i mean i have to think they have names right obviously they have people they're considering so that's why i say i think yeah while this is a big deal there's a lot of talking points it's still the mountain west like it's not like this is the sec or something you know what i mean like i think there's two, there's two they run parallel together. It is the Mountain yeah. West. It is a lower conference. But also, Craig Thompson has been at the helm for God knows how long before I was even probably born at this point. But, I mean, and, it, he's the only commissioner the conference has yeah. ever known. I mean, yeah. it, it, he's been in control of that conference since 99. I mean, this is a like guy... 99, dude. It's 2022. Yeah. I, I I don't... Is Who's more at fault for their current situation? Craig Thompson or the conference itself? And... And the people who decide when Craig Thompson needs to go ahead and move it on out. Yeah, I, I, I listen. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I just think that this is a really critical moment in time for the Mountain. I, yeah. I think, and you look at how much impact the Mountain West has had on football in the state of Utah. I mean, this is not an insignificant situation. For sure, it, it really is not. And I don't know. My personal belief is that the Mountain goes away eventually. I, I just think you're going to lose too much. And I, I think that. The Mountain has, has played a significant role in the history of college football. And I, I am not a Craig Thompson fan. He's a guy that doesn't like to answer questions. He's a guy that, again, believes in operating without accountability. 
Um, I think he's done a horrendous job in TV rights and, 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 you know, things like streaming and things like digital. I, I just don't think he's, he's ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. He's 66 years old. I guess I wouldn't expect him to be, but my point is he's a guy that's had a major hand in the transformation of football in this town. And I think when he, now that he's leaving, I think that's a big deal. Yeah. I think it's something that. I think for Utah, for for the state of Utah, right? Like football in the state of Utah, yeah. it's obviously a big deal. I, I guess this kind of brings me back to this conversation we were having the other day about like you know generations and how this sort of impacts you know college football fans based on how long you've been a college football fan. I mean, if you've been following BYU in Utah and, and even Utah State, obviously, you know, if you've been following any of those teams for any amount of time then you're, you're probably all over this story. I, I think for the younger generation, the generation that is, you know, teenage years old right now, I don't know that this is a this is a big story. And that's really fascinating to me when we talk about distribution deals and, like, how college football works. Because, that's right. Because I think now, like, you know, yeah, to your point, like, the conference could be dissolved. You could easily see a path to that. At the same time, I could easily see a, a selling point of, hey, new commissioner, distribution deal, not a lot has to change. We can start making more money now like so that's why i say this is right up that same path of the pac-12 and you know larry scott getting yeah. moved out and and george klofkoff coming in and to me fumbling the whole situation so that's why i say the difference is is that you're not a p5 conference right that that's that's different like you're in a situation where you're a little bit lower of a tier and you can't afford to make these same mistakes yep breaking news this morning right here on the show as mountain west commissioner craig thompson is stepping down after 24 years at the helm of the Mountain West Conference. There will be a new commissioner in place. It's going to be interesting to see where they go and who exactly takes that job. Uh, but without question, it is a transformative day uh, in the history of college football. Might this have been the most the most transformative year in college football? And when I say year, I mean calendar year. Like when you when you look at at this time last year where the game was at and, and just all the stuff we've talked about. Well, I mean, you have expansion of conferences, contraction of conferences. Yes. Um, I don't think there's any doubt the, the expansion of the college football playoff is one of the biggest stories in the history of college football. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it certainly could be one of, if not the most transformative year in the history of, of college football. I don't disagree with that. I mean, there's been a lot of history made, obviously. Yeah. You know, from the BCS era to the playoff era. I mean, there's been a lot of changes with conference realignment and expansion and all that. But I don't know that we've seen this kind of groundbreaking change yeah. um, in college football for some time. All right, let's get back to the Utah Jazz. I know this is a crazy story, and we've had kind of an interesting period of time here, but... The Jazz had this press conference this week and this Craig Bowlerjack interview. I think one of the biggest stories is that there is no accountability for this organization. And I mean, the, the, the vibes, and I'm told that they are still very much involved in trade talks with Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, um, and Mike Conley. And I would not be surprised to see a deal happen. I know the Lakers very much want Boyan Bogdanovich, but they're not Bojan. willing to give up two picks for Bojan Bagsnatchevich. Mm -hmm. uh, so Bagsnatchevich, uh, we'll see what happens. But the lack of accountability on the Utah Jazz, I think, is a problem because I, I think, and I don't know, let's get this going in the comments. I, I think we as observers of the Jazz and you as Jazz fans, we deserve an answer on what happened with Donovan Mitchell. And he's got his press conference with the Cavs today. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. We deserve answers on why 
on why Donovan Mitchell was traded. Mm -hmm. And this, this thing about belief, and I understand that this thing about belief is a big deal and you know, whether they believed in themselves or not, but we're sitting here talking about a situation where you traded a 25 year old NBA superstar who you had club control for years to come. Yes. And you have not been asked why you did that. And you have not been asked to specifically explain what it was because what this statement, and I'm going to play this bite again because I think it's important. What this statement right here does is go directly to the heart of the leadership of this team. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about a group of guys who didn't believe, is that the player's fault or is that the coach's fault? Is this why Quinn Snyder's not the head coach? Is this why Donovan Mitchell's not on the roster anymore? Was Donovan Mitchell part of the reason that you feel like this team didn't win a championship? That's a question that's got to be asked. Is Donovan Mitchell the reason that, that this team was a disappointment? That's a question that's got to be asked. Because when you say something like this, there needs to be follow-up questions. What I saw during the season was a group of players that really didn't believe in each other. Like the whole group. I think they liked each other even more than was reported. I think there was, um, but I'm not sure there was a belief that they, and so I, when we got to the playoffs, I thought, well, this is a team that's had some disappointing playoffs, and maybe they're just waiting for the playoffs. And so I gave them that benefit of the doubt. And, um, but it was clear the team, you know, did not perform well in the playoffs. Right, and I, I don't disagree with that. I, I want to I make sure. Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with what Danny said there. But you don't just trade a 25-year-old superstar. Yeah, especially when and, you're in Utah, with all due respect. I mean, this is not the Lakers or the Knicks or the Celtics or a major market. And I know we have this discussion all the time. And I know, you know, hey, if you want to, if you want to, you know, feel and, and be a big market in Salt Lake, you got to start acting like it. But I don't, I, I don't feel like the, the Utah Jazz are, are, you know, ask questions that even enable them to act like it sometimes. I mean, it's in, it just to me, like in the past, there have been times at press conferences where I felt like, hey, you know, an elite reporter may ask that question. You know, someone who has zero fear or someone who just has the balls to ask the question. This was not that. This was an easy opportunity just to say, hey, so uh, you just said that, you know, the team disappointed and these guys didn't believe in each other. Work in a Donovan Mitchell question. Yeah. It's just that easy. And I feel like, you know, Danny Ainge has been around the block. You're talking about a guy who came from Boston, you know? So for, for him, this is a cakewalk. This is like just kind of, yeah, we're answering some questions. We know we're not going to get asked anything tough. And it, it just is that easy. And by the way, Small detail. Anyone notice that Justin Zanuck is wearing the new the new branding? That is low, oh, I low did. key wearing the new hoodie with the new branding. But much like and... Harris Lachance, he was wearing a sweatshirt, which I was jealous yes. of. Yes. But uh, he was wearing the new branding. Did anybody notice the new New Jersey Nets uniform that came out mm -hmm. that absolutely tramples the Jazz new uniform? Yeah, it's Brooklyn, please. Bro excuse me, Brooklyn Nets? Thank you. I'm so old. Anyway, the point is, I, I just think that this is... This is a very critical moment in time, and it is shocking to me, shocking to me yeah. that there's not a follow-up question asked when you say that this team didn't believe in each other. That's a strong thing to say, yeah, man. And like, to not ask a follow-up question, to say that these guys liked each other more than was reported. And to talk well, about that you came in and, and, and shared that thought with the current team that was here, the current like Justin Zanuck and Ryan Smith, that you had shared that sentiment with them and that they agreed with you, the first time you shared it, 
that that's a strong thing to say. That says that everyone was in agreement yes. that this team just didn't have the goods. I just I, I it's it's amazing to me that there there was yeah. Anyway, uh, Ruff's official says North Dakota State, Montana State, Weber State are fun to watch if you're really a college football fan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Brett Burnett says offers are on the table and the Lakers going to deal and the Jazz will get their ask. We'll see. We will see. Ken Williams. Good morning, Ken. Good to see you, man. Says Danny is smart, but no way I'm trading with the Lakers. It, mm. I just don't think you can do that kind of business anymore. Yeah. You can't say, well, I'm not going to make the Lakers quote unquote better. Who cares if they get better? Your point is you can have Boyan Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson give me two first round picks and some talent and we have a deal because yeah. that makes the Utah Jazz better. Does that mean the Lakers go and win a championship? It probably doesn't, mm -hmm. but who cares? Because you're not winning a championship this year. Yeah. If this was in two years and you were making a deal like this, I would agree with you. You're not going to help a rival keep you from winning a championship. But the Jazz are not even in championship conversation yeah. at this point. You need as much draft capital because the other thing that Danny Ainge said is, we're not building this team through the draft. I'm too old for that. Yeah. He is going to go out and make trades for talent. Yes. And that's why he's lined up draft picks. That's why everybody was like, oh, full tank, VW, here we go. Not happening, well, bro. Well, I mean, you can head the Southtown Volkswagen, but the Jazz are going to be on the trading block. They're going to be out. Please. Yeah, they're going to be out making deals. Yeah, and they're not, in my opinion. And Justin Zanuck talks specifically about this as well. They're not necessarily going to draft with all those picks. My guess is they're not going to draft with most of those picks because they now have real leverage in trades for superstars. Yes, much as you know, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were traded, and this is what's so. Stunning about the Donovan Mitchell trade. He's 25 years old. So what are you going to have to go out and get now? Mm -hmm. You're going to have to go out and get somebody who's probably 25 years old and a superstar in this league. So are you telling me you didn't believe that Donovan Mitchell was a superstar? Yes, I think that's what they're saying. But the problem is the question was never asked. Yeah. And that's why I say when you when you come out, because again, the, the wording is very straightforward. When you come out and say that the team didn't believe in each other and that they were a disappointment in the postseason, like that's, like, that's an indictment on Donovan Mitchell on some level. That's an indictment on Mike Conley and yes. Boyan Bogdanovich. And so to me, like I definitely want some clarity on that. Do you, do, Danny, do you mean to say that Donovan wasn't ready to carry this team or that, or that you, like whatever you want to ask, but I think it's, it just has to be done, man. And it, and, and it just is frustrating not to get those questions. All right, let's run through some of your comments here. Appreciate everybody being here. Greg Hawkins says, Utah Jazz. Trades Donovan Rudy. Utah Jazz Media. Quote, so what's your favorite ice cream? Exactly right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Isaac Aguiar says, I want answers. Yeah. Uh, Ruff's official says, Don isn't a superstar. And that's debatable. I think if, if Donnie comes out and does what I think he's going to do, I think he's going to score 30 points a game. I do. I think I, there's just so much tape on him and there's so much new tape on him where we're seeing moves that he did not employ over the last two years. He's going to have a monster. But season. I think that sentiment is well taken in, in terms of that press conference. I, it, I, I could. It's a totally appropriate question to ask Sandy Age. Hey, did you believe or do you currently believe that Donovan Mitchell is a superstar in this league? Do you believe that he's a guy that can lead your team to the NBA finals? Like, Apparently not. Right? Put because, him in a position to answer the question. Because when you ask him those questions and he says, yeah, he could have led us to a finals, well, then why did you trade him? 
What? Uh, no, I didn't think he could. Okay, well, what was it about him? Was it a leadership issue? What what leadership qualities were missing? What what skilled qualities on the floor were missing that you felt like Donovan didn't have and needed? And it doesn't need to be an attack. That's the thing. Like I think no. everyone. I think what happens a lot here in the, in Salt Lake and in, in in the Salt Lake media is as we talk about this, then it gets going on Twitter and people misconstrue what we say. Like people think that we're trying to say that you got to attack these guys. No, I'm not saying to attack these guys. What I'm saying is. Just ask the pertinent question because I think it's 100% appropriate. You're not coming out of left but, field here. But that's the issue. Yeah. People in this town think when you ask a direct question, hey, what was it about Donovan Mitchell that made it so you had to trade him? That's not an attacking question. That is a softball question in just about every other NBA market. Why was four first-round picks the price? What what went into that being the price? I, I just, I, I yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why I say I think there could have been a lot of clarity that came out of that presser for sure, but I we just yeah never got it. Yeah. Um, Brent Burnett says, "Spite and the Jazz mutually worked it out. The Jazz traded for a haul. Cavs a very nice place. If I'm Spider, I don't. Oh disagree yeah, Don, with that. Don's got a big opportunity in front of him. There's no doubt. Greg Hawkins, I don't anticipate that our team is going to win as many games as we'd won. Ainge admitted, but I believe it's going to be more entertaining and more exciting basketball." That's from KSL Sports. Yeah, could be. Absolutely could be. Uh, Brett Burnett says, love Spida too, but Spida and the Jazz privately and respectfully worked it out. Yeah, I don't know about but, that. See, why, why, and I'm not trying to hate on that comment specifically, but I've heard this a lot over the last couple of weeks. Why are we assuming that they privately worked it out? Who the hell knows? what, Dude, what happens if in his media availability today, Donovan Mitchell comes out and says that he was unhappy for the last two years and it was a miserable time or like he sends that type of message. He's probably not going to say it was a miserable time. But my point just is, is if he sends that message, I wasn't happy. It was not fun. We, we had major issues in that locker room. Yeah. What then is a jazz? Are you then going to say that the Utah Jazz and Donovan worked it out? Because I don't think the way this was handled, they worked it out. That doesn't. That's not the message that I get. Out yeah, of the whole I, thing. I think. Yeah, I, I just think Danny couldn't pass that deal up, uh, and that's that. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could, we've been over this ground before. I, and that's I fine. just if think he wants to say that, if he wants to say in immediate availability, hey, it was simple as I couldn't pass up that that deal. We as a team, as a front office team, as a town evaluate uh, evaluating team. That the the reason it was four first round picks is X, Y, and Z. We got our price and we pulled the trigger. I can respect that answer. And I, I think a lot of this is that you have you have a draft coming up in 2023 that is arguably the deepest draft in the last 10 years. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you're gonna draft players in that draft. What it means is other teams will be more hungry, yeah. will have a larger appetite to get into the draft and they will be more willing to let their players go. Totally. So, I mean, there there is a lot of relationships the Jazz have built through these trade conversations over the last six months. Yeah. And those, you're going to see fruits of that labor. I mean, this is not an organization that's historically made deals with the Lakers, that have made deals with the Nets, that have made deals with the Cavs. Mm -hmm. Like you're seeing the Jazz are out in the marketplace making significant transformative deals and they're not done doing that. Yeah, and historically they haven't controlled the trade market, which they've absolutely done this year. Yeah. So I I, I think that's an interesting that's an interesting way of looking at it. Mark Rasmussen, good morning, says very ashamed that they traded Mitchell. Shame on you, Ainge. I don't know. I think yeah. they got a haul in return. 
They got a haul in return. Rance, good morning to you. They were becoming the Blazers' one-man show, and it wasn't going to work. I don't disagree with that. But let's get. But but what I want is I want Danny Ainge to say that. I want Danny to come out and say, "Hey, this is the reason we felt compelled to do the deal." Because Rudy, like you said earlier, Rudy had a built-in reason. It was cap space, money, yes. business. Okay, cool. Yeah, no we doubt. Get it. Donovan is a whole different beast. Donovan is like, hey, this is a franchise-level player. He's 25, club control, no real reason to trade him other than, hey, we we want to go a different direction or whatever reason you want to say. And, and yeah. that, to me, I hope that someone in, in, in from the Cleveland media, which I have high hopes for, Cleveland's media is pretty good, I hope that someone asked Donovan Mitchell, hey, were you unhappy there? Or what was the feel there? Or did, did you demand a trade? Out? Did you demand a trade? Excellent question. Like anything like that. I hope we get that level of clarity today. Yeah, I think we need that level of clarity today. Mark Rasmussen says they're going to suck maybe forever. Well, I don't know Come about all now. that. Come on now. Uh, Hullabilly, good morning. Says the Rockets throwback jersey this year are gorgeous. Yes, they are. Uh, Ken Williams says he traded him because he got a great deal and helped the future of this time and got Sexton in the deal. I love the moves. I yeah. I don't think anybody's ever going to argue with the equity that you got in return for Gobert and, and Don. No, no, no. Nobody's ever going to argue with that. It's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, it's unthinkable Yeah. what Danny Ainge has done here. The why is still important, in my opinion. I, I just... It matters. It makes very little sense that you traded a 25-year-old. The only answer could be you don't value him as a superstar. There's something that you know about him... Um, interesting. Boy, there's a lot of college football news today, folks. Uh, Pete Thamel, ESPN uh, College Football Insider. The SEC has directed Georgia and Tennessee to not play their home-at-home non-conference series against Oklahoma. The Bulldogs had OU scheduled in 23-31. and 31. The Vols' 2020 game in Norman was canceled amid COVID and was expected to be made up down the line. The left that left the return games in each of the series to take place after OU and Texas are scheduled to join the league. So we're already seeing that you're gonna you, that this SEC Big Ten thing is a problem. I'm telling you, we have not seen the repercussions of that. Sorry mm -hmm. to be a squirrel like yeah. chasing a nut. Yeah, I don't mean to go, but that's if that's a really compelling problem. Is that schedule? Yeah. Anyway, my point is, I think it, it the why you traded Donovan is really important. Um, let's see. Brent Burnett says jazz players didn't like each, did like each other. Still hard to deal with losing. Just no time for losers. I disagree with Danny on that. I was told repeatedly that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell had no relationship. Did not speak. Were not friendly. Did not hang out with each other away from the game. Uh, very clearly, I don't think there is any doubt in anybody's mind that Donovan Mitchell and Royce O'Neal were best friends. Mm -hmm. There, There is no question about that. Mm -hmm. But I'm also told that that trade had no impact on Donovan Mitchell being traded. That Royce O'Neal just was not going to fit into what they wanted to do. Um, and that Will Hardy has a different, you know, you know, plan and style that he wants to play. Well, and that much was made very clear by Danny multiple times about how yes. this is going to be more exciting basketball and jazz. They want to play up tempo. Yeah, they want to play up tempo. Clearly, and, and I, I think that. Look, I get it, man. The goal here is to suck, but do it in an entertaining fashion. That's that's the that's the goal here. 
and to buy yourself some time to go out and make more deals and turn this the ROI into actual players on the floor winning you ball games and winning championships. I get that that's the process, but again, I just have this issue with this idea that there was no that you weren't. I guess I guess the best way to say is Danny wasn't given the the opportunity directly to say why they traded Donovan Mitchell. Yes, and I think that's that right. Donovan, I have, uh, I would say, an 85 to 90% confidence level that the Cleveland media is going to ask Donovan Mitchell about, like, did you guys work it out? Are you happy you were traded? Like, they're going to get into that stuff with him. And, and I'll be curious to see what he, he has to say because I guarantee you he's prepared for that. Yep. Zayman says, what is your jazz source saying uh, on trading Don, and do you trust the answer they're giving? Well, I mean, they've been very straightforward and consistent from the beginning. Danny Ainge would be derelict in his duty. He'd be irresponsible if he didn't make that trade. Yeah. And I think that's been their stance from the beginning. Um, because, I mean, I, I think our track record kind of speaks for itself. I mean, our sourcing's been pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think we've we've hit on five, six straight NBA stories. And it's... I get it. I know why they traded Rudy Gobert. I understand. Rudy is, Rudy is not the easiest teammate in the world. I don't think anybody disagrees with that or argues that. He was not popular in his locker room. Um, he did not take accountability while you get all that. We had never heard any of that about Donovan. The biggest complaint about Donovan is that he was very quiet. Mm -hmm. Donovan is not an outward vocal leader. And I think one of the, the, one of the biggest questions that I'd like to know about Donovan Mitchell is, what is his leadership capability? Is he able to take a room of guys and bring them together? Is he able to be that true superstar on the floor and off the off the floor? Because if he's not, that's a great reason to trade him. Mm -hmm. He because Don doesn't have the on court personality to be a number two. He's an alpha male. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. And I think Don's very well aware of who he is and what he is. And I think he knows he doesn't have any desire to be a vocal leader off the floor. And I think a lot of franchises need a guy that'll be a vocal leader off the floor. And I think Cleveland or New York or, I mean, New York's got a guy like Jalen Brunson who is a very good leader, who is a, a guy that's a unifier. I just don't know that the Jazz believed in Donovan Mitchell to that level. I think there were always, the questions I've always heard about Donovan Mitchell are always leadership. He's never been a headache in the locker room. He's not a guy that tweets about other players like Rudy did. He's not a guy that's calling other players out and then refusing to take discipline like Rudy did like it, it was just he didn't say much at all mm -hmm. and I think that was a problem for the Jazz and I think you know frankly Zayman thank you for the five dollar tip by the way I think that's why they traded him honestly uh Ken Williams says uh they still win 35 to 40 games maybe we'll see what they do at the trade deadline by the way Brett Burnett says I have a source on the Don trade it's me and Spida was happy to go to the Cavs I'm, I'm sure he was would he tell you if he was unhappy to go to the Cavs Probably not. Um, I don't know. Uh, Brett Burnett says, you can use me as your source anytime. Thank you. I appreciate I'm that. I'm real. Uh, Isaac Aguiar says, do you think they can make the playoffs next season? Ask me after the trade deadline. Because I don't think they're close. I don't think they bring this roster back to camp. I don't. I mean, it, it makes very little sense to trade Donovan and Rudy and bring in all this talent and mm -hmm. keep Boyan Bogdanovich on the roster. 
that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially knowing he's in demand. Yeah. And he's a guy who's had major injury issues the last couple of years. Yeah, you need to trade him now because if you don't, you're going to get behind that value curve and you're not going to be in a good spot trying to trade him next year. I mean, I can see them bringing Jordan Clarkson back because, he, A, he's a very popular player. And his style fits into uh, what yeah, they're trying to do. Yeah, stylistically, he fits right into what yeah. they're trying to do. Yeah. So I could see them bringing him back. I It just doesn't make sense to have Bogey and Conley on the roster. It, that, that makes no sense to me. And by the way, what are you doing with Rudy Gay, who was a real problem in the locker room, who complained about playing time in minutes? Mm -hmm. What are you doing with Rudy Gay? And what sense does it make to have him on the roster? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all. So there's just all these They have questions. 17 guaranteed contracts right now. They have to make moves. What is it? What sense does it make to have Malik Beasley on this roster if the, if the Lakers are interested? That's a guy who's a very good three-point shooter. What sense does it make to have him here? Like it just like there's a lot of odd fits. Yeah. Are you going to trade these guys at the deadline? I would tell you Bogdanovich and Conley are very risky to do that with. You can hang on to Beasley and trade him at the deadline. Mm -hmm. I could see them doing that. But I just don't see a lot of value in in, you know, like there was a lot of people saying that they were going to trade Jared Vanderbilt. I, I have not no heard way. that. I've not heard that one time. He was a guy that they were very happy to get um, in the Minnesota deal. You would need, that's another deal where if you're trading Bogey, Conley, and Vanderbilt, that's three unprotected first-round picks. Yeah. I can't see them doing that for two with the Lakers. That doesn't make sense. Um, and that's why I said last week a deal was not close. You know, there were other people reporting that a deal was close. A deal with the Lakers has never been close. Yeah. Not in this incarnation. Um, I think the Lakers have been trying to be a third team with the Lakers and the Knicks for as long as that deal had been being put together. Because the Lakers would like to move Russell Westbrook. The Jazz, I don't think, would mind having that cap space. So, I, I mean, I can see where that would work. But there, there's not been a – as far as I understand, there hasn't been a deal that's been close Yeah, with, with the Lakers in this Boyan Conley, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's never been in that deal. It just is not something that – I'm not going to say it's not something the Jazz would do. The Jazz know that Vanderbilt has tremendous upside. Yeah, and again, he fits into what they're trying to do, which is play up-tempo, you know, up-and-down basketball. And I think that, that 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 to me was made very clear yesterday, if I'm being honest. It was made very clear yesterday that, yeah, we're not going to win as many games, but it's going to be entertaining basketball. So we're not going to be painful. We're not going to be terrible but what that has written all over it is houston rockets that's what it has written all over it the problem is is you don't have a bunch of guys who are 610 you know and physically gifted scorers so when we talk about enjoyable or not when you're down 20 headed into the fourth that's probably not going to be real enjoyable correct to your fan base and by the way you still don't have a distribution deal to at least show the games so that's why i say the jazz are very in tune with where they are and how their fans are going to experience this product this year. So I don't know, man. I just, I, yeah, I don't think they're done yet. I can't, I can't seem keeping these veterans. Yeah. Football at 50 in two minutes right here on the Monty show, but uh, wrapping up jazz talking in it in 10 minutes. I do want to get to this Robert Sarver situation because I don't know how many people, um, I don't know. Is this, is this a story of consequence? I think this is a, Huge story of consequence. This this situation with Robert Sarver, the owner of the, the Suns, being suspended a year and fined $10 million, I think that's a big deal. That is a big, big deal um, in NBA circles because I think it, it sends a, a message and a clear precedent for what you're allowed to do and what the punishment will be. Totally. So was this enough? Was this 
you know, was this handled well? I, I actually think that it was not enough and I don't think it was handled well. I really don't. I just, it, it's really, it's really disappointing to me. Yeah. And when we talk about it here in, in a couple minutes, we're, I think we need to talk about the message it sends to the, to NBA fans and how in the way you handle things and what it, the message it sends. I mean, we talk about this all the time with the NFL and this to me is the first time in, in NBA land where I can say, yeah, this is not, this is not a great look. No, it's not. Football at 50, 10 to the hour, every hour on the Monty Show. We're bringing you the biggest stories in college and pro football presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Make sure you download the Papa Murphy's app um, because, frankly speaking, it's the easiest way to order Papa Murphy's Pizza. Now, yes. if you show up at the Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh this Saturday from noon uh, to 1, we'll be doing our football Saturday show. Um, and then from 1 to halftime, we're going to be watching the, the BYU game, which kicks off at 1230. The one. only way, if you have not entered... Is it 130? I think it's 1.30 kickoff. Yeah, it's on Fox. Yeah. Um, a primetime game for BYU yeah. and Oregon. Um, but the only way to enter this BYU-Notre Dame driveway to Las Vegas is at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh, Saturday from noon to 1.00. Because once the football Saturday show ends, it's over. You cannot, you can no longer enter. We'll have an enter to win box on the table, but that's going to be it. We just, it, we have had so many people enter this thing. Mm -hmm. Show up at the barbecue pit stop this Saturday at uh, noon. We'll do the football Saturday show. We'd love to have some of our listeners on the show. I think that would be spectacular. You guys support this show so well. Um, come on out. Have a seat for five minutes. Give us your game predictions. Let's talk football with you guys right here on the Monty Show. That's this Saturday at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. We are going to have a dozen Hell Papa yeah. Murphy's pizzas on hand that we're going to smoke from like one to really halftime all through the game. We're going to smoke those pizzas. They're going to be spectacular. Papa Murphy's has really stepped up to support the event with our friends at Barbecue Pit Stop. They're giving us a dozen yes. large pizzas. It's going to be off the chain. We'll have that for you. Don's Meats is giving us some wings, but Papa Murphy's is where it's at. Use promo code MONTY25. M-O-N-T-Y, MONTY25 at Papa Murphy's Pizza. We'll get you 25% off your order of $25 or more. They bring you football at 50, 10 to the hour, every hour. The biggest story this morning, I think, in football is uh, Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson is stepping down effective December 31st. He will no longer be the commissioner of the Mountain West. What is your re initial reaction to this? Yeah, you know, part of me says that, hey, it's still the Mountain West. Hey, this is this, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not a big deal because it does matter. It is a big deal. Craig Thompson has been the commissioner since 99. Like, this is this is a big deal. There's no doubt. But I can't get away from this concept that it is still the Mountain West. And I think that the problem <laughs> is, is that you're... Why are you disrespecting, man? Yeah, you know, like, I'm not trying to hate, but but it's, this is a different conversation than the PAC or the ACC or SEC or any of the, you know, the Power Five conferences. And I think that... The, the, the Mountain West, the only reason that this really has major implications is obviously with San Diego State and these different these different entities yeah. that are attached to college football expansion. So it'll be really interesting to see who they bring in and what the game plan is because I think depending on how you handle that, that's truly going to decide if the conference is allowed to continue. And when I say allowed to continue, I mean it remains viable. It remains 
an option to survive because again and this is kind of what you said earlier like these teams that you have multiple teams in your conference you know most notably san diego state but there are many others that are attached to going to the pack or going to the big 12 or or you know whatever the situation may be so again depending on the commissioner you bring in that very well could decide if the mountain west even exists anymore well and i think this is craig thompson going out on top i mean he was part of the college football playoff subcommittee that expanded the playoff to 12 teams i mean this is clearly a victory parade for him he's going yeah. out as a clear winner um i mean that that expansion the 12 certainly gives the g5 teams a much better shot uh to make the college football playoff i think that's a huge win for craig thompson yeah but I don't think there's any doubt that his legacy and his resume are full of stains. I mean, the the lack of, of TV wins and the lack of TV money in the mountain has really crippled the development of that conference. Thanks. I think it made it possible for teams like BYU and Utah to escape that conference. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it has really damaged the long-term viability of the Mountain West as a conference uh, on the whole. And I, I think it's nice that Craig, you know, he's been the commissioner of the big... Uh, or excuse me, the Mountain West since 1999, the only commissioner the conference has ever known. Um, that's huge for Craig Thompson. He has had a, a, a career. I would not call it a distinguished career, career. I don't believe that he's had overwhelming success as some people this morning are trying to paint that to be. And here on the Monty Show, you know we call ourselves the truth in sports talk here in, in Utah. The truth is the Mountain West has sputtered largely under the leadership of Craig Thompson. Yeah. And it's because they have not had a good TV deal. The Mountain was a huge failure as a TV network. They never went third tier right. They never got streaming. They never got digital. They just never got out of the starting blocks when it came to TV money. And, you know, really, I think a lot of their member institutions are no longer going to be in this conference when we're at the end of the road on Pac-12, Big 12 expansion. Yes. Because I think a lot of those brands are going to wind up in either the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or whatever the, the that grouping of schools ends up being. Who knows? Again, I, I firmly believe that ESPN would like to see a merger of the Big 12 and the Pac-12, and they'd like to have the TV rights, uh, the first-tier TV rights to those games. Is so. We'll see. I think teams like San Diego State, Boise certainly have value. Yes. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see exactly what happens to the Mountain now that Craig Thompson, the commissioner of the Mountain West, uh, is stepping aside. I think this is a this is a big moment in time. If you are a if you are a Mountain West fan, you know if you're a Utah State fan, I'm curious how you feel about this because those Aggie tears are real. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens to Utah State. This has not been a stellar start to this season. No. Um, to say the very least. I mean, you are in a position where, I mean, on the regular, Utah State has to fight for, for time in this state. Mm -hmm. You are irrelevant right now. Yeah. You are an afterthought. You are not somebody that people are talking about. Utah losing to Florida was a far bigger story than anything that Utah State's doing. Like Utah and BYU, BYU is clearly dominating football in this state right now. Mm -hmm. But Utah State's not even on the radar. I mean, their struggles are not even a story. So it's going to see exactly what... It's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens to this conference. But yeah. Craig Thompson stepping down after 24 years at the helm uh, of the Mountain West. A couple other stories I want to get to. I think this Giselle Bunchton, Tom Brady story is fascinating. You're Tom Brady. You're the best quarterback that's – you're arguably the best football player who's ever played in the NFL. Yeah. You are certainly the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. Mm -hmm. Your wife is telling you that she needs you to be, quote, more present. 
<laughs> which I believe, and I could be wrong, if you speak Farsi, you could help me. I believe in Latin, more present means it's time for you to retire. I believe that's the translation of that. Yeah. I don't know how this ever turns into a win other than the fact she's incredibly supportive of Tom Brady. I mean, all kidding aside, Giselle Bunchton, by all accounts, is a phenomenal partner. She supports him. She yes. helps him physically. She raises their kids during the season. Like, she allows Tom Brady to be Mr. Football. But this got ugly when he took a leave from, from Tampa. Mm -hmm. So... How difficult do you think it is to be Tom Brady's wife right now? Oh, I I think it's I think it's difficult. I think it's been no, it's difficult. not. I think it's I, incredibly I, easy. No, I think that I think that we undervalue, you know, the work it is to be a mom and the work it is to to have your your guy gone for, you know, months at a time regularly. And I yeah, think but that, but see, this is where you and I disagree. He's not gone for months at a time. Well, he is a football player for months at a time. He has to work for months at a time. But his job on the nine to five on the regular is no different than an accountant, a lawyer, a, a ditch digger. He goes to work and then he comes back home and he brings a paycheck that's tens of millions of dollars mm -hmm. on top of her tens of millions of dollars. So <laughs> me and Mrs. Monty joke all the time about how we're going to have the staff do the laundry today. Right, right. They quite literally have staff who does the laundry today. Right. I'm not going to this is the thing. I'm not going to sit here and cry foul for Giselle Bunchton. Oh, that poor supermodel who's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. What a bummer that her husband has to go to work every day. Well, let the staff soothe your 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 pain. Like, I just don't buy no. this from Giselle. It, you have a very comfortable lifestyle. This is Prince Charles, who when he travels and sleeps somewhere else, they they it came out today through the rags in, in, in the UK, the newspapers. He demands that his furniture travels with him. Mm -hmm. So that when he goes to a hotel to sleep, they move his bedroom set to that hotel a day ahead of time. We're on to Cincinnati. So that he's as comfortable as possible. They move his bedroom set. Bro. Like, are you serious? I can't even get a comfortable hotel pillow. And they move his entire bedroom set. I don't Dale, feel... I'm the best there is. I don't feel sorry for, for Giselle Bunchton. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think it's... Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. I mean, they obviously are gazillionaires. Obviously, life is good. But she wants more time with Tom. I get it, man. I understand. But at the same time, like, I, I do respect the fact and uh, that Tom Brady is a competitor, and, and I love the fact that Tom wants to set bars that are going to be incredibly difficult to get to. He's an all-timer. Yeah. That's his football 50. It, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Present, okay. pre presented by okay. Papa Murphy's. Thank you. Hey guys. No one goes all in on made-from-scratch freshness like Papa Murphy's. Because when you go all in, people notice. Go all in with the Triple Pet Pizza for just $11.99. Papa Murphy's. Change the way you pizza. There you go. Greg Hawkins' favorite pizza, the triple pep at, at Papa Murphy's Pizza. I love pizza. the lingo. Triple pep. Triple pep, baby. <laughs> triple pep. You know. Uh, the Monty Show is presented by the Advocates Utah Injury Attorneys, UtahAdvocates.com. If you've been in an accident, if you need help, and here's what I always tell people. If you're wondering to yourself, should I sue? you should go to utahadvocates.com. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking about it, if you're wondering about it, stop wondering, stop thinking, take action. Don't go into your pocket to pay somebody up front. 
You don't need to pay retainers. You don't need to pay for consultations when you go to utahadvocates.com. The advocates are going to fight for you. That's why they're called the advocates because they're your advocate. You deserve that. When you've been wronged and you've been in a car accident and you're injured and you're trying to figure out how am I going to pay my medical bills? Guess what? They're going to get your medical bills deferred. They're going to give you a free consultation and you do not pay the advocates unless and until they win your case. They're going to fight for you so you can get back to the best version of yourself. Call the advocates today or simply find them online at utahadvocates.com. The biggest stories in sports this morning, uh, certainly this Craig Thompson story, if you're just tuning into the show today. Craig Thompson, the commissioner of the uh, Mountain West Conference, is stepping down, effective December 31st. He will no longer be the commissioner of the Mountain West. This is a changing of the guard in college football. Craig Thompson has his hands all over the college football playoff expansion. He was on that subcommittee that expanded it to 12 so Craig Thompson certainly now pulling the golden parachute, going out on top. Craig Thompson out as commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, effective December 31st. I think there is no doubt that BYU and Oregon is one of the biggest stories in sports. BYU now all the way down to a four-point dog mm -hmm. on the road in Eugene, in Oregon. We had Harris LaChance on the show earlier. He makes his weekly appearance thanks to our friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Harris LaChance said they are laser-focused. What happened with Baylor, that was last week. This is this week. They expect a physical Highly contested football game against Oregon. Y'all feel me? 1.30 on Saturday afternoon on Fox. We're going to watch it all together with you at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh starting at noon on Saturday with Football Saturday right here on the Monty Show. Jake and I will be doing the, the show live. Mrs. Monty will be there. It's going to be a blast at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh this Saturday at noon. Be there or be square. Be square. Yeah. Are we going to square cut the Papa Murphy's pizza? Yeah, obviously. Avi! Yeah, Mrs. Monty will be there dishing. She'll, we'll have her cut the pizza. How about yeah. that? Uh, Mrs. Monty's a vegetarian, which pretty much makes me a vegetarian too. Donnie, please. You know. Uh, but we'll have Papa Murphy's pizza for you. We'll have wings, including flats. Obviously. Um, you know, Harris straight up said flats were better, so I, I don't know why you keep talking down about flats. Harris, Schmaris, dr mm. drums for everybody. Mm. Um, but yeah, BYU and Oregon this weekend. I think a massive game up on the hill on Saturday night. Utah and San Diego State in a must win for Utah, who is a 21-point home favorite over the mighty Aztecs of San Diego State. Who are without a commissioner now. Wales vagina. Coming, <laughs> wow. wow! Coming to Salt Lake City Saturday night. Utah is a twenty-one point favorite, and you think they cover that number? Yes, I think they. I think they cover that number. I think what you're going to see is stout defensive play out of Utah, stout. and I think that they're going to run the football a lot more. And I think that they're going to get back to what their pillars are, which is running the football, playing defense, and in in executing on special teams. Because how many times? Last year, did we get the the great punt to pin a team deep? How many times did we get turnovers in the special teams department? That is one thing that has been a little lacking that I think is warming up, and that's why I say I do think that the 21, it's 21 points. I think that's lofty, but I do think they're capable of covering that number. Well, let's hope the uh, Utes are not punting a whole lot, and let's hope they do control the field because that's what the Utes need to get back to. Devon Vele. Devon Vele needs to have a big week. 
They need a wide receiver to step up and emerge as their go-to deep threat, and he certainly can be that guy. Because the minute that Devon Bailey starts catching five to six balls a game, that makes Brant Keithy and Dalton Kincaid far more dangerous weapons down the middle of the field. Yes, yes, yes. That's what's going to open up the run game for Tavion Thomas. It's the one ingredient missing on this offense to take the top off the defense wide yes. receiver. Will Devon Bailey be that? We'll find out Saturday night up on the hill against San Diego State when the Utes are a 21-point favorite. That's a huge number. Yes. Maybe I overvalue San Diego State. I don't know. It's oh, going to be... what a loser! It's going to be interesting. The weather is changing. The air is getting a little crisper. We're in the 40s and 50s at night Hell these yeah. days on Hell the Wasatch Front. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be interesting. Uh, I think one of the other big stories in sports is this situation with Bobby Sarver in hey, Phoenix. Hey, good old Bobby. The NBA has suspended Robert Sarver one year and fined him $10 million. And I just think this is a joke. I think this is an absolute travesty. This suspension says to me that they do not take racism and sexism and workplace animosity, uh, workplace hostility, uh, workplace abuse seriously in the NBA. Based on what we've seen in recent times, and everybody keeps bringing up Donald Sterling, the former racist owner, now departed of the, the LA Clippers. Okay, well, that's all well and good. But that's how many years ago? What's going on with Mark Cuban's situation in Dallas? What's going on with Bobby Sarver in Phoenix? A, a one-year suspension and $10 million? Honest to goodness, when you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars, like Bob Sarver is, I mean, you find him a roll of nickels. Yeah. That's what you did. Well, and the problem is is it, it wasn't by choice. I mean, that's the maximum they can find him based on the um, the CBA, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that that that's the problem. The the agreement you have in place is garbage. I mean, to to, to be yes, for the it max, is for the max to be ten million to me is just absolutely incredible. And I think that that when we look at how to handle these situations, the 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 dollar amount to me has always been more important than how long somebody's gone because Sarver's not going to struggle. Sarver's not going to, you know, he, he's not a player. He's an owner. So him having to sit up in whatever penthouse or whatever boat that he's got and watch the Suns play is, I mean, he doesn't care about I, that. I, but the thing I don't understand is, in, in some of these allegations, I mean, commenting on women's physical appearance. Yes. Commenting sexually on a woman's appearance. Using the N-word repeatedly even after he was asked to stop doing it yes. by players, personnel, and staff. He was asked to stop doing that. He continued putting goats in his general manager's office who ate the furniture and crapped everywhere because he wanted a goat-type player wearing a son's uniform. It's not the best situation, and we all know that. I mean, just all of these accusations of sexually explicit comments to women... I don't know how it gets worse than this. And my question is, how was Robert Sarver not forced to sell this team? Yeah. How was he allowed to keep ownership of this team? And what this says is you don't value the protection of women in the NBA workplace. Mm -hmm. What this says is you're okay with an owner using the N-word. What it says is, is that rich white guys can do whatever they want as long as they have rolls of nickels sitting around to pay off their fines. Mm -hmm. That's what this says. It's Fast. completely wrong bob sarver robert sarver the owner of the phoenix suns is not a good human being in my opinion i've covered that team 
I know that guy. I know the way he operates. I know the people around him. And if we're being honest, my personal opinion is James Jones is only the general manager of the Phoenix Suns because he's black. And that was done as a PR stunt because I don't think Bob Sarver cares about black people. I don't think Bob Sarver values women for anything other than their vagina. If I'm being totally honest, that's who Robert Sarver is. <coughs> that's who his actions say he is. That's who his words say he is. That's who the words of his employees and the people who were witnesses in this investigation, that's who their words say he is. <clears throat> it's embarrassing, in my opinion, that Bob Sarver still owns the Phoenix Suns. And I don't care that he can't be at an NBA facility of any kind or type for the next 12 months. It doesn't matter because in 12 months, the guy that I believe, in my opinion, is a racist and a misogynist is going to be right back at the helm of that franchise. It's really and, despicable. And is there anybody who thinks that Bob Sarver isn't going to have influence or control on that team in the next 12 months? Who are you kidding? He's going to have complete control of that team. He's going to have complete influence on that team. And you know who else I think you have to call out today is Devin Booker and Chris Paul. You're hypocrites if you go back and play for that guy. You know who he is. You know what he's done. You know what he believes. And yet you're still taking his $50 million a year book. It's time to move on. It is time for the players in both the Mercury and the Suns to move on from who that guy is. Because the minute you take a paycheck from that organization, you're co-signing his words and actions. That's my opinion. Maybe I'm making too much of it. But I'm sick and tired in this day and age of the N-word being used liberally, like it's just no big deal. Like it's just another word that people use. I got news for you, it's not. It's damaging and it's inflammatory and it's hurtful. When you talk to women about, you know, the size of their breasts being a measuring stick for their ability, you think that's okay. You make those type of comments where you're commenting on a woman's appearance, you're commenting on her sexuality and you think that's okay. Apparently, Adam Silver thinks it's okay because he's allowing Bob Sarver to continue to own that team. I would and with all due respect. It's despicable. It's disgusting. It's not the right thing to do. And I, am I couldn't be more disappointed with what's going on with Robert Sarver in Phoenix. It's, it, to me, Jake, I think it's an absolute blight on the face of the it's NBA. It's really despicable. Yeah. I'm not sure how to follow that up. I mean, I think that that's spot on. I mean, I couldn't have really said it better myself. I think that... The, again, I, I think the problem is, is that, you know, Adam Silver doesn't really have a lot of other choices. You know, I, I, I the CBA is very clear in what he can and can't do. And I think he's given the max of what he's capable of doing. And I think the bigger picture issue here is that that's what he has to work with. I mean, I, honestly, like, I feel like we can all agree Commissioner Silver's done a pretty damn good job with discipline and and how things have sort of played out in the NBA to this point, but this particular case has been pretty rough. And I think that that yeah, I, I as much as I'm uncomfortable saying that if Book and Chris Paul continue to play here, they're co-signing. I kind of have to agree with that. I mean, you're 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 pissed off the guy is using the N word, but you're happy to take his fifty mil. Like I I think I think the hesitation from players is. How worth it is it to try to, you know, to try to mess with this situation? That's what I think people struggle with. And so I, I don't know. That's why I say it's a very complex issue. But what's not complex is what he said. What's yeah. not complex 
is that the discipline is not enough. And and I think we all agree on that. It's shocking. Yeah. And and I equate this. Somebody said this too. I equate this to the LIV tour. Um, who said this? Oh, yes, Greg Hawkins. I did. Greg Hawkins said, did anyone see that story about the Utah women who went to the game topless with body paint? People were not amused by that. And they got banned. I believe they were Utah students. Mm -hmm. And they got, again, we say banned. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're in hot water at Utah. So, it, which you know, everybody goes back to how do I say this gently? Is there an issue with women using body paint as clothing? There is because I mean, you're sexualizing your yourself. That's what you're doing, right? I mean, it, it's it is. It is not hard to see her gifts to the world, right? It's ridiculous to me that that is even allowed. Like, mm. how did they get into the stadium? Like, how was how did that go unnoticed for as long as it did? Mm -hmm. And it took, I believe it took fan complaints to get action taken. Like, how is that possible? Mm -hmm. I and, and I think the problem is, that there's a fine line. Is that just good old joshing around and having fun? Hey, look. Look at my boobies and paint. Like, is that what this is? Well, I think it's very different than dropping the N-bomb repeatedly in the office. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a comparison. Yeah. But the problem is, I think too many women... I think too many women don't think about the consequences of their words and their actions. Mm. And I think when you, when you go around and you do things like wear body paint and it this is a classic argument about women at the gym you know like that women get upset when you look at them at the gym well as men i think we all know that we sexualize women like aggressively mm. that's what we do it, this is fucking america it's it's this thing back and forth but in a workplace like the phoenix suns it has to be different I'm not saying it's excusable or okay in a college campus to wear body paint or go half naked at I the gym. I just don't think it's a comparison. Like, it's a totally different... And I don't like, know that Greg is comparing the two. Well, I just don't know why I got brought up because then. Like, I think it's Because I think it's a very interesting... I think it's a very interesting situation. But, it, but, but, and I'm not trying to be an asshole about this, you know, excuse my language, but I just don't think they're one and the same. I think it's a, it's a different... Thing we're talking about an NBA owner who is who is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, dropping an N bomb, uh, you know, sending pornography around the office, yeah, like, you know, obviously saying heinous things to women as you are outlining. I think this is just a it, it, it's a it's a different conversation than college students wearing body paint to a football game. Like I I get it. Mm. It's uh, well, how is it the same? Like because I, I we, think men are. Because we don't, society, on a societal level, we don't view women as equal. We, we don't. We have systematically oppressed women, especially in the workplace. I mean, women don't make you know, the same money that men make. Women are not treated the same. Um, you know, whether it's you know, the, the TV stories at Fox about trading sex for promotions or you just, when you go to a football game wearing body paint, mm -hmm. what is your expectation about what's going to happen? You're gonna get you're gonna get looked at. You're gonna get stared at. You're probably gonna have guys, you know, trying to hit on you. You're you may get groped. Is that okay? Well, it's not, but you went to the game in body paint. So 
The problem is that we don't do anything about that. That's why this deal with the NBA is so significant. They should have taken ownership away from him. We have to stop this situation where groping a woman because she's wearing body paint is okay. That we sexualize women no matter what. Mm-hmm. We, we value women based on the size of their chest instead of the, their abilities to create formulas or code data. Women in tech are oppressed and abused on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. We've got to stop that. So this situation in Phoenix was an opportunity to send a message. This situation in Washington with the commanders and Daniel Snyder was an opportunity to send a message. Look what the NBA did. Do you think the NBA accidentally released heinous accusations against Robert Sarver? Y'all feel me? That wasn't an accident. The NFL has done everything they can do to hide the accusations against Daniel Snyder. Mm -hmm. Everything they can do to make sure that people don't find out about the things that he's done. Like, it's two different ways of operating, yet still the NBA falls short. Why can we not be in a situation where unequivocally, unequivocally, we take action against men of power who take action against women who are subordinate to them? Mm -hmm. We just don't do it as a society. We've had opportunity after opportunity to do this, and we have rarely, if ever, done it. Hollywood's one of the few places where we've done that. One of the few places, and the Me Too thing just, I mean, got abused. Like, it just, I'm so frustrated. I'm so tired of talking about equality issues in this country. Mm-hmm. I am just so tired of it. And I don't know how to fix it. That's the problem. I, You have to talk about this thing with Robert Sarver. Yeah. But at what point can we say, yes, justice was done here? When the punishment feels substantial to the situation, because it why. doesn't feel like the punishment yeah, fit I the mean, crime. I, I, I think that I and again, it's all what what I think the 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 real issue is is its processes that prevent the the punishment from being just, and the, and that to me works its works its way out in, in multiple different scenarios, you know. And I think that like players yeah. are players. Like Miles Bridges is a great example of this. Yes. Like we're we're quick to we're quick to cut out a black athlete in the league who has a domestic violence issue, which, you know, admittedly is, you know, based on all accounts and everything was, was his doing and he made a mistake. Okay, great, great. But we're quick to say, yep, he's out of the league done. See you later. But when it's a white owner who happens to own one of the best up and coming teams or one of the best teams in the league or whatever, over the last five years, we don't want to just be like, hey, yeah, you're Hi, gone. Bob Kraft paid a sex worker. Yeah. He didn't even try to argue that. Yeah. Yes. He didn't even try to argue that. He argued the merits of a warrant because they didn't check a, a video surveillance box. Yeah. Right? So it is absolutely about the color of your skin and the, the amount of money in your bank account. Look at Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant is revered as a legend and as a motivator, and nobody wants to talk about the fact that, hey, he's he is accused of a heinous sexual act. Nobody wants to talk about Ben Roethlisberger accused of heinous sexual acts. Man, he was a great quarterback here for Pittsburgh. Man, let's retire his number and put him in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But what about the women that he allegedly sexually abused? Like, like we choose based on people's skin and, and net worth how to punish them. And it's, 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 it's completely wrong. That's every day. It's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Harvey Weinstein or any politician you want to point to, or if you're white 
rich and privileged in this company in this country, you do not get prosecuted. Very mm-hmm. rarely. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do the Harvey Weinsteins of the world go to jail. And he's only in jail, frankly, because there was a whole movement started by that. Look at Jeffrey Epstein's story. Yeah. You know, Jeffrey Epstein. Endless, bro. Yeah. Jeffrey Epstein is is a perfect example of a guy who was in and out of jail based on how much money he had. Yeah. And who that money was flowing to. I look at Robert Sarver. I cannot tell you that these accusations are not new. I can't say that enough. These are decades old allegations. These rumors and innuendos have been around for years. Yes. Man. For years. And he's getting a one year suspension and they find him ten million dollars. And it's it's mind blowing to me. Yeah, I mean what feels appropriate is that he shouldn't own the team anymore. That's what feels appropriate. Yeah. Not even a monetary thing. Yep. Uh, Ruff's official says, how many millionaire players have done and said in things inappropriate or been accused of crimes? Where are the calls from them to be banned? They're banned routinely. Yeah, what do you mean, bro? What are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking are, about? Are they, I mean, whether it's Ray Rice, whether it is... And I again, I will say, I just think if you're convicted of domestic violence or you plead guilty, you should never play a sport again. Mm-hmm. I, it's that simple. Being a professional athlete is absolutely a privilege it is not a right it is you're you're playing a game for tens of millions of dollars yeah if you are convicted i i have always said if you're convicted of a felony you should not be allowed to play a professional sport again period fighting like how is john jones in the ufc still allowed to fight after all of the things he's done how is a guy like conor mcgregor still allowed to fight Mm -hmm. after all the things he's done because they are who they are and we put them on pedestals. They make people money. They make people money. Yeah. That's why. But the number of athletes who have been banned or gone to jail and I mean, I don't know. I don't know specifically who you're referencing, but you know, uh, Brett Burnett says might be the lady's fault for giving birth to us crazies. Exactly my point. Exactly my point. He also says not to be preachy, but there's a plan for all of us and the solution to fix it has been done by the perfect one, Monty. Well, you know, not everybody can be perfect like me. That's right. Right. Sure. Uh, Ken Williams says they are not going to make someone sell a team um, and make them money. I See, I actually think if you made Robert Sarver sell the team, you would make far more money because you would charge the person buying the team. The Phoenix Suns would win on a much higher, more consistent level mm-hmm. than they have. By the way, did anybody notice when all these accusations got real, all of a sudden he started spending money on the team on the floor? Because what if they were the worst team in the NBA as they had been for years right now today? My guess is he probably is going to sell the team. Mm-hmm. That that would be my guess. But now they've got a stadium renovation. They're building practice facility. They're making more money. Yes. You know, like... It's no secret, man. These guys know how to operate. Like, it's not a surprise. Not at all. Uh, Brett Burnett says people just need to realize everyone has problems of some types. It's how we learn and grow. Yeah, some some shouldn't be forgiven some should be some yeah no uh ken williams says kobe didn't even go there i know the woman he did that to okay uh ruff's official says uh, how did kobe not get prosecuted he settled out of court um and he went to trial by the way you may remember but he settled he settled out of court yep um you know i'm not saying anybody needs to be perfect 
I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. We're asking you not to utter the N-word repeatedly at the office. We're not asking you to be perfect. I think that that's not an unreasonable thing to ask. But as Ken Williams points out, when Ray Rice punches his wife in the face, he should never be allowed to play again. Yeah. You know, the only reason he was banned or, you know, theoretically banned is because it was on videotape. Uh, I've always uh, stood on my That's the truth. That's the truth. And money buys you privilege in this country. Period. Uh, Greg Hawkins says, how is Conor McGregor still fighting after taking that giant L to Khabib in 2018? Well, that's another question, mainly because he threw a guardrail at him. Um, Robert Leith says, honestly, I stopped watching football a long time ago. It got really cringe when they started kneeling, but it got worse when they openly endorsed Hillary. I, I, I don't know what politics have to do with it. Robert, like, what does politics have to do with anything? Uh, Luis Campazzo, what's up, man? Not for us to judge, and we should try and forgive everyone. It will eat. Everyone, it will eat is up. I think you meant to say it'll eat us up. Yeah, could be. Uh, Brett Burnett, the kneeling stuff just uh, crazy and does ruin it. I No. 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 We ain't got time. No, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. Uh, it is 1225. Um, in the great state of Utah. Don't forget, um, we will be off tomorrow for traveling. We are actually coming back to the great state of Utah tomorrow. You will feel the sonic boom um, as though it was a meteor coming did through you the just, sky. Bro, did you just call me fat? Yes. Um, you will feel a sonic boom, um, and all the people will freak out and think it was a nuke or an alien, as my wife did uh, several weeks assassin. ago when a meteor came through the atmosphere in the great state of Utah. Um, you know, you'll feel our presence. That's the force as we return to the beehive state to resume our domination. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, don't forget. <laughs> nothing. Nope. You have nope, nothing to add to that. Keep nothing going. to add to that. Okay. Um, <laughs> one of the, one of the things I want to talk about is Utah real estate now that we've reached the non-sports story portion of the program. Of the program. Here's a question for you. Is Salt Lake City in the state of Utah heading for a housing crash? There's a new Moody's study out mm -hmm. um, that, that projects real estate in the state of Utah. How much trouble are we in, Jake? Yeah, so the study basically says that that they're predicting inside of 12 months that there will be a 5, and this is nationally, there will be a 5 to 10% decrease in home values. But they go a step further with it, and this is kind of what caught my attention. They basically said that, that um, housing markets, so places like Boise, like nationally places like Boise, Phoenix, Dallas, that type of market that's tremendously overvalued um, are vulnerable to 15 to 20% price declines because their price is so high right now. So when I'm reading, hey, over half the nation's largest regional housing markets are vulnerable to home price declines of 15 to 20%. That's freaking scary. That's a huge drop off. And again, they're saying that this is going to happen sometime inside of 12 months. And so to me, when I look at this, the problem is, is that there are a ton of cities in Salt Lake that are on this map. Now, they don't give you a list per se, but the they give right. you a map that basically says, you know, like a couple of the big ones are Provo, Salt Lake, uh, uh, Ogden and Clearfield. Those four 
particularly are massively overpriced. They're and saying I, that Ogden and Clearfield are 50%, man. 50% overvalue in Ogden and Clearfield. You look at Salt Lake proper. Salt Lake City proper is 28% overvalued. Oh, man. And, and so that's what's kind of scary. But also, I mean, as usual, it depends on the situation you're in. Again, it's no secret, right? I'm, I rent right now. I pay 1700 bucks a month for a one-bedroom apartment. It's heavy. It's expensive. It's overpriced. Yes, it is. However, I've been in this waiting game. I've been waiting for stories like this to come out. So if you're someone in my position, you definitely should be preparing yourself because there is going to be a decline. It's going yes. to happen. Well, what I think is interesting is that we've talked a lot about mortgage on this show, you know, and, and again, we're partnering with Every Davis at Academy Mortgage. Um, and a lot of people ask us, well, is now the right time to get in? Now's a great time to get in because you have good interest rates, but you have to negotiate. When you see statistics like, hey, Ogden and Clearfield, you know, are 50% overvalued, you have to go in there and you have to negotiate yes. because what you're seeing is the price of homes are coming down, but days on market are going up. So those houses are sitting. I think if you're an aggressive, savvy, patient negotiator, you're going to win these deals. If you understand what the true value of that house is, you're going to win these deals. And it's why I say there's two things you need to win a real estate transaction in this market. Number one, you better have the best mortgage guy that you've ever talked to because you need to be able to, to walk into a house and say, okay, I'm a cash buyer. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to go. And I got, that's why, again, we always tell you Devery Davis um, is the guy to go to because I, I think that you need somebody that can put you in that position um, to win. And one of the things that I always say also is, once you have your mortgage in line, then you go and find a real estate agent. And you may have a relationship in place already. If you don't, call me, text me, DM me. I have great real estate agents that, mm -hmm. I, that I know well. Um, but you better have a good real estate agent. Your realtor and your mortgage guy have to be lockstep. And a lot of people don't understand that. In this market, if you just go, hey, uh, Jenny, I found you on uh, Google, went on Zillow and found you as a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. Can you write me an offer on this house? They're going to be like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Cool. And you're going to write a number for full price. You're going to pay $100,000 over what it's actually worth. Do you know how long it's going to take you to recover from that? Your, your ideal situation when you're buying a house is you're going to buy a house and walk into equity, Right. That's your ideal situation. But so many people don't know how real estate works and they want to say to their, their realtor, oh, hey, uh, who should I use for a mortgage? No, no, friends. Go find your mortgage first. Go get your financial house in order. Go talk to a mortgage professional like Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage and, hey, what do I need to do here? He, you know, because what your mortgage person should do for you is they're going to give you a, what's called a prequal, a prequalification uh, pre letter that's going to say, hey, Yes, Jimmy Smith is qualified to buy this house for $600,000. There, and the letter's literally going to say, Jimmy Smith is qualified to buy a house up to a million, 700,000, 500,000. They're going to pre qualify you. And when you go to a, a good, you know, real estate professional, which is what I think mortgage brokers are, when you find a mortgage broker that understands real estate, they're going to tell you, hey, yeah, give me. What house are you looking at? Okay, we've gone through pre-qualification. We've given you your letter. Okay, what house are we looking at? Mm -hmm. Send me the, the mul multiple listing service number because every house has a number. 
Send that to your mortgage person. Okay, this is FHA. This has to go conventional. They don't do VA, right? Hey, here's the down payment program this house qualifies for. You don't have to put any money down. Mm -hmm. Hey, we'll give you, we have a program to cover 50% of your down payment. Those are real things. But when you're looking at Clearfield and Ogden being 50% inflated, so if that house is listed at 600, it's only worth 300. What a huge, if you're a 30 a year old, yeah, if you're a 30 year old kid trying to buy your first house and you're paying 50% more for that house than it's worth, man, that's a huge problem. Yeah. How long do you wait to buy a house? Yeah. I mean, I think that you, if you're going to wait, you got to pay close attention to it because it's going to, it's going to happen fast. And I, I would say, yeah, it's probably, you know, like what, what are we in September right now? I mean, I'm my, my window and my strategy was going to be like, before I saw this was going to be to look to buy in the spring, you know, wait another two quarters or so and, and see kind of what happens and where we go from here. But I have to say like, you know, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to pay, you know, let's call it 30% more, let's say, or, Ooh. you know, whatever the number is, I still struggle with that. The problem is, is that five to six percent interest rates are still reasonable. Yes. When you look back over time, historically, five so, percent is a great interest and, rate. And my real problem is, and this is obviously the 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 one that slaps me in the face every month when I pay it. But paying seventeen hundred for a one bedroom is just rough. Like I think you know that same money can get you much more, and that's that's what I struggle with. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's get some of your thoughts in here. Well. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. Brett Burnett says, you don't want a mortgage, just buy with cash. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, man, that's really, wow. Most people, man. most that's people. That's pretty much self-explanatory. Most people can't afford to buy a house with cash. And the mortgage, the mortgage industry qu quite literally powers the economy. Yeah, and I would make an, a good argument that buying a house with a mortgage is more advantageous than losing your liquidity. Yeah, I would tell you not to buy a house with cash. Yeah. Don't please... Please, if you're buying investment property, please don't buy them cash. There's a, that just makes very little sense. You should be able to take that money and make it go further. Like if you're buying a $250,000 investment property and you pay cash for that. So let's say out the door, your total cash investment's two fifty-five, dollars right? You give up $255,000 in cash. If you'd have kept that two fifty five and mortgaged it, you could have bought two of those at least. Mm -hmm. So you're limiting yourself and your liquidity. And by the way, if you are really buying investment properties, open an LLC and buy it through your LLC. Yeah. Right? There, there's just so many ways to do that because now it becomes a tax write-off on a different level. And there's just so many questions about, hey, should we buy cash or not? I just, I just think that it is... Yeah, I think it's a very difficult thing to do. Ken Williams says, got to go to work, guys. Peace out. Great show. Have a safe trip back. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate Always appreciate you, Ken. you being here, dude. Appreciate you. Um, let's see. <laughs> Ruff's official says, Jake, tell us more about buying a house. I think he's mocking you, Jake. Wait, Ruff's official is mocking us? I think. What? Uh, Brett Burnett says, I buy with cash. It has always been a better deal. Plenty of clients prefer cash than risky leverage portfolio. Well, I mean, if you're into a risky leverage portfolio, I would tell you that's a mistake too. There's a right way and a wrong way to buy a house. Mm -hmm. And I just think so many people, having worked in real estate and worked with both consumers and, and investors, so many people have no idea what it takes to buy a house. Yeah. They, they just have no idea. They don't understand who pays for an appraisal. They don't understand who pays for an inspection. They don't understand why you shouldn't get your inspection waived. 
Like so many people are like, oh, I'll waive all of these inspections and appraisals. I'll just buy it. Yeah. That's a huge mistake. Yeah. You should never do that. You know. Never waive your inspection period. Like all these little things that, that people just don't know how to operate or how to navigate the water on stuff. And it's as simple as understanding what you don't know. You have to know what you don't know. And when you're buying a house in this market, man, I'm telling you, if you're paying $300,000 or $600,000 for a house that's worth $300,000, you will never recover from that. Mm -hmm. You'll never recover from that. You have to understand what that house is worth. Before the pandemic, what was the last thing it sold for? What are comparable properties selling for before the pandemic? Because yeah. the chances are that house's pre-pandemic value is going to be pretty close to what it's worth now. And the truth is it's worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. What are you willing to pay for it? Because if you're patient and you write the right kind of offers, you, you'll, you'll win a house. You will, you will go out Saturday, you will write offers on Monday, and you will win a house by Tuesday. That's my guess. If you, if you have your mortgage stuff in line, and if you, if you have a guy like Devery Davis, and, and Devery, yes, Devery is an advertiser, but I can tell you that Devery Davis has written three mortgages for us. Mm -hmm. And the difference with Devery is that he's a guy who you can call and say, hey, I'm looking at this house. Is this a good decision? What are your thoughts on this? Whether you're looking at an investment or you're like, he's talked me out of more investment properties than I care to admit. Yeah. Um, whether it's here on Maui or, or in Daybreak or, I mean, like we've looked at a lot of them. You better have somebody you trust. And that's in your mortgage side and in your realtor side Yes, as well. Because if, if your cousin Jimmy is a real estate agent and he's going to do his first transaction with you, you're making a huge mistake. Y'all want to play. You're making a huge mistake. I would, the other thing I would, would tell you to do, sit with your realtor while they write the contract. Sit there and watch them write the contract. Do they know how to write a real estate contract? Do they have to go to their broker to get help to write the real estate contract? Do they know what boxes to check on the real estate contract? There's a lot of realtors who don't know how to write a real estate purchase contract. It's crazy. Hell it's, no. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. We bought some property here in Maui and the people we were buying it from didn't know how to do all the paperwork correctly. Hmm. It was it was an incredible eye-opening process. How is that even possible? Now, that was a win for us. Right. But it's amazing to me that people under major nameplates don't know how to do business. Yeah, it's incredible. It is, it, it is incredible. By the way, if you're thinking about getting a mortgage or if you're thinking about buying an investment property, my guy, Devery Davis, call him, talk to him about it because he's an incredible mortgage guy. He just has so much experience. There's nobody that knows the Utah real estate market like Devery Davis. He understands like it, down payments. There's so many down payment programs, whether you're a first time buyer, a police officer, a veteran. Yes. You know, like, do you understand what the VA actually does? Do you understand that the V you're not getting a loan from the VA? The VA is guaranteeing your loan, right? So you're still getting a loan from a financial institution. The, the Veterans Administration just backs that up if you're, if you're VA eligible, right? So there's all of these questions and things you need to understand. And nine out of 10 people who buy houses have no idea how that stuff works. They truly do not. So make sure you call Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage, 801-543-9666, NMLS number 278545. Devery Davis and the Davis Lending Team at Academy Mortgage are equal housing lenders. All right, so here's a question for you. Yeah. Here is a question for you. Are you a resort person or are you an Airbnb person?
resort all day. Not I I am a resort person, and it's not close. Now, I you know. used to be an Airbnb person. So we've experienced both on this trip to Hawaii. So we only I- took this trip to Hawaii. Uh, at this time, because my sister-in-law got married last week on Kona, mm-hmm. on the island of Kona, Hawaii, Hawaii, the Hawaiian island, Kona. Yes. We stayed in an Airbnb, and it was wildly uncomfortable. Boo! Huge house, koa wood everywhere. The house was amazing itself. But termite damage, doorknobs that don't work, like, because it's it, it doesn't have air conditioning, there's a humidity problem. Um... The ceiling fan didn't blow air. Like it was just terrible. Yeah. So then we come to Maui and we stay with Weston, the Weston Resorts. Um, we stay at the Weston Maui, and it's just a delightful experience. The pools, the you know, having a kitchenette so that like Mrs. Monty's making pancakes for breakfast. And I don't think there's any doubt I'm a resort guy. Yeah, and I think the trouble is is that it's it, resorts are expensive. They're, I mean, they are, but in my opinion. It is worth it. My take has always been, how many weeks a year are you on the Maui-esque vacation? How many weeks a year are you are you willing to treat yourself? And, 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 and I think that for me, it's worth it. Like, I think that we work our ass off, man. Like, they're, like with, with transitioning away from the 9 to 5 and doing this full time, we don't really have days off, man. It just doesn't exist for us anymore. So... And to me, when I go or we go out on the road, I got to have high-speed internet to do the show. I got to have air conditioning. I got to have a room where I can control the lighting. Yes. I got to have controllables yes. and setups. I got to be able to go out and snorkel and hike and do all this crazy stuff that's super fun but also super taxing and come home to a nice bed that's air-conditioned so I can sleep. That's what I want. Not rocket science. That's expensive. Yes, it is. But to me, it's worth it. Yeah, I am a resort guy all the way. Um, now, will I stay in Airbnbs? Yes, absolutely. But when I come to Maui, I stay at the Westin. Mm-hmm. When I go to Tahoe, I stay at the Westin. Like Tahoe, the, the thing about resorts is resorts are going to put me on the mountain, especially mm-hmm. for snow, which I value a huge amount. And in the wintertime, I want a hot tub, right? Like I Now, is this me being a snob? Yes. Yes, it is. Absolutely. But I've gotten accustomed to a certain level of travel. And excuse me, the proper nomenclature is accommodations. A, com- a certain level of accommodations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I love like one of the things I really like at the Westons. The beds are unbelievably comfortable. Yes. You don't get that hip pain or your shoulder pain. The pillows still suck, though. Right? The pillows were not good at yeah. the Westin. Uh, you got to remember bring your pillow, bro. I do, and I don't know why I don't, and I should, and I will from now on. But um, the beds are comfortable. The bed at the Airbnb, my collarbone hurt. I sleep on my <laughs> side, my collarbone hurt. Uh, my hip hurt. I'd sleep on my back, my back hurt. Like at the Westin, I've slept really well. Yeah. Really well. I like the pool. I like the beach. I like the fact that I, if I don't want to leave the property, there's Duke's is a great restaurant. I get everything that I want and I get great air conditioning too. I'm pumped. By yeah. the way, the showers at the Westin Maui. Incredible. Bro. So good. Incredible. So good. My, my Absolutely. Guy. All right. Yeah. Let's see what you guys say. Um, Greg Hawkins says, I prefer to pay for my houses exclusively with pennies and nickels. Who are you, Robert Sarver? Uh, <laughs> Hullabilly laughs, laughs at that one. Brett Burnett says, uh, smart one, Greg. 
Uh, Robert Leith says, I've been an electrician for over 27 years. Oh, congratulations, Robert. Uh, and I get paid very well, but even I, a pretty well-off guy, know that houses are overly expensive. Thank you, Obama. What does Barack Obama have to do with the price of houses? Um, <laughs> Brett Burnett says, materials of coin go... Uh, material of the coin going to be worth more than the house. Okay, not a house guy. I can see Brent. Uh, Greg Hawkins says, that way I feel like being Scrooge McDuck counting my riches. I like it. Saudi stooge. I like it. Uh, Holabilly says, resorts 100%. Robert Leith says, I prefer Airbnb just because of versatility. You can stay at a lot of different properties. Absolutely true. Uh, Greg says, been in both resorts and Airbnbs. Lived in an Airbnb for three months when I first moved to the Philippines. Airbnb has its place, but it can be weird rules and weird owners. Hotels all the way for me. I by like the it. way, by the way, another portion of this conversation, rental car company or things like Turo. Okay, so you really dominated the Turo thing yes. here, in, here yes. in Hawaii. Yes, I had a great Why did experience. you enjoy it? Well, I, I liked that I could choose the kind of car I got and there was more selection. I liked that that I could get a car that was affordable but also did what I needed it to do. Like yep. so I wasn't looking for a huge Tahoe or a tiny little, you know, Prius. I was looking for uh like, you know, a, a compact crossover that, that, you know, could travel well and was comfortable to drive around in because you do some driving while you're in Hawaii. And the cool thing was the experience of picking it up and dropping it off was the best part. Like I literally had them drop the car off in our first week on the big island in Kona. I had them drop it off at the house. It was very easy. And they came back and picked it up when I needed them to. And it was really easy. And it's all through an app. And it's, and it's yeah. just very straightforward. And the, and the only thing I would change about it is I would probably just pick the car up or have them drop it at an airport because you can do remote pickup as well. They have lock boxes and stuff. So, oh, wow. So to me, I just felt like the Turo experience was good. Now, again, first time ever using Turo, two cars in. I'm sure that issues come up. I'm sure that there are, you know, things that I'll experience as I continue to use Turo. But I was pretty happy with it. I, I like it a lot. I, I'm, I'll try it. Maybe next time we, we come here to the uh, great state of Hawaii. Wait. I will try it. Uh, Marlon Shaw says, wow, tuned into a sports show and got vacation show broke out, LOL. Just busting your chops. You Marlon, know, good to see you, man. Good to see you, Marlon Shaw. Casual. Hey, by the way, if you're here right now, please give us a thumbs up. It really helps the show grow. A couple more. Um, Ruff's official says, uh, only staying at resorts, looking down at cost-friendly airlines, but can't afford to buy a house. Well, Who said I, I can't afford to buy a house? Yeah, I don't know that. Anybody on this show said they can't afford to buy a house. I yeah. think it's just not the right time to buy a house. If you buy a house now, you're 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 going to have to negotiate and be savvy. And the kind of house you're looking for, I think it's going to be tough to find. But I would tell you that you can afford. Jake can absolutely. I love I love that you, Ruffs official, assume that that like you can't that I can't afford to buy a house or somehow that that we're I guess struggling or something that's just not the case bro we, we're not making more money now than we made at the nine to five like how do you think we left our nine to five you think we left our nine to five and put ourselves in a bad spot no obviously not yeah i think the i think the american way is to buy a lamborghini when you live in an apartment mm -hmm. i think that's what we as americans always do and i've never quite understood that i really don't i i've never you know, uh, let's see. Marlon Shaw says, old topic, but I decided last minute to go to the BYU game from Florida. What a great decision on my part. Great game and great time with the grandkids. Oh, nice, hey. Marlon. 
Glad, glad you enjoyed that. Lopes Van Gabe says, our experience was that you get what you pay for when it comes to rental cars on Maui. Try going with a local company that offered cheaper rates on an older fleet. It was rough. Oh, Gabe. Interesting. Very interesting. I, I couldn't. Mrs. Monty kind of books all of our travel. Um, that's one of her things she's passionate about. But I don't know that I could do like Jimmy's Jeep rental. No, well, again, that's the other thing I like about Turo. I can pick my car. So, like, as an example. Turo worked out really well for you. I, you know, I we had a Crosstrek on Maui, and we had a Honda, a little crossover Honda on, on Kona, and both of them were, you know, relatively newer cars with good amount of mileage. Yeah. And, you know, like, it, there's a lot of controllables in it. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I'm not ready for Turo yet. I'm not. Number one rule of travel, Greg says, pack half as much as you think you need and bring twice as much money. Yes. 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 I overpacked on this trip, no doubt about it. Uh, Robert Lee says, I went uh, to Tom Brady's first game. It was extremely hilarious to see that quarterback get injured. <laughs> do you, okay. Oh, do you mean, um, why can't I, uh, Drew Bledsoe. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, Robert also says, honestly, I'm really enjoying this podcast. It's up there with Steve Crowder and Ben Shapiro. I appreciate the insights. Well, we appreciate you being here. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That's uh, that's a huge compliment. Um, finally, Brent Burnett says, uh, you're right, Greg. Yeah. I think packing light is a life hack. Yeah. And I'm never good at it. My wife is the person that will roll all of her clothes. And by the way, for everybody asking where Mrs. Monty is, she'll be back on the show next week. Yeah. Um, and she'll be at the remote on Saturday, the live broadcast Saturday at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. Um, speaking of resorts. Yeah, speaking of resorts, really looking forward to that. Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh, noon on Saturday. Noon to one, we will be doing the uh, football uh, Saturday show. Uh, so looking forward to seeing everybody. Come on out. It, it costs you absolutely nothing. Uh, we're going to have all kinds of great Papa Murphy's pizza there. It is going to be a great time. Uh, we're going to have wings from Don's on the Traeger Smokers. Don's. It's going to be amazing. Uh, final shout out of the show today um, goes to our good friends at Triday Trading. Uh, our newest sponsor on the show is Triday Trading, and they have been somebody that I know a lot of people have asked us about and had a lot of questions about. It's all in black and white on their website. Go to TridayTrading.com slash Monty. It is the single best side hustle I've ever seen. Um, and if you follow the show for any amount of time, you know that we used to buy Amazon crates, um, repurpose, resell that stuff on eBay. What a pain that was. Uh, Amazon FBA, we actually made good money selling on Amazon, but it was a lot of work, a lot of postage. We've sold all kinds of things. The guys at Triday Trading have the absolute best side hustle because you can scale it into a full-time gig which i think everybody wants their to get out of their nine to five mm -hmm. go look at the free webinar all you have to do is go uh tridaytrading.com slash the monty show or excuse me slash monty tridaytrading.com slash monty it's free you don't have to you have no obligation you just fill out a form watch the webinar and decide what you want to do if you want to move forward great if you don't great it's no obligation. It's no cost. It's their free webinar at trydaytrading.com. Just go check it out. It helps the show a lot when you go to trydaytrading.com slash Monty. We appreciate you. Without going to our sponsors, uh, obviously the show doesn't succeed. Um, so whether it's the way you guys have already watched, you know, a lot of the webinar at Triday Trading, our good friends at uh, Barbecue Pit Stop, Devery Davis, um, you know, just our, our guys at Papa Murphy's, 
We have Wayman such Brothers. good relation. Wayman Brothers Construction, who we're going to start talking about a lot more again next week. They're working on a project for us now. Um, hint. So there's a big announcement coming on that project. Yes, yes, yes. Which I'm really excited about. Wow. But uh, check them out online. <laughs> TryDayTrading.com slash Monty. Okay, so just to clarify some schedule stuff, we will be back live Friday morning in Utah. In studio. Back in the Monty Show yeah, compound. In the crib. It's going to be nice to be back home. Yes, I it am is. really excited about that. Yes. We leave Maui tonight. We fly the red eye uh, from Maui to uh, Salt Lake City tonight, which I'm really stoked about. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, and then uh, we will be back on the show Friday. And then don't forget, Saturday noon, Barbecue Pit Stop Lehigh is where we will be uh, doing the football Saturday show. Our good friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza are going to give us 12 large pizzas. Don's Meats are giving us a ton of wings. Mostly flats. No, mostly drums. Idiot. Uh, we'll put all of those on the smoker. We will kick anybody out who brings blue cheese dressing to the event. We will not kick it. We'll flow. We're going to have a magnetometer that picks out blue cheese dressing. So if you hide it in your pocket, we'll know. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, Greg. But it's good. Greg. It's going to be amazing on Saturday. We'll watch the BYU-Oregon game. Halftime of the game, we are going to draw the winner of the BYU drive away to see BYU and Notre Dame in the Shamrock Series in Las Vegas. Two nights at the Palms, two tickets to the game, and a $250 gas card to get you there. Uh, that is Saturday at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh at noon for football Saturday. Jake, our stay in Hawaii is over. It's over, man. That's it. It's that quick. Show's done. Um... Thanks for sticking with us. I know it's been an odd little uh, journey through the islands here in Hawaii. We've had everything from internet trouble to rain trouble to <laughs> <laughs> equipment trouble, but yeah. it's over. We made it. We made it. Um, appreciate you guys being here. We'll be back Friday morning, bright and early at 6.30 a.m. Mountain Time. Until Friday, Jake, say aloha, brah. Aloha, brah.